Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 1st of November 2020. <laughs> they say time flies, eh? but I mean, you start to wonder if you're in some kind of time machine and it's going fast forward because for me, it's like living through many talks I've given over the years in the past where from their, their sources, they gave you lots of clues where they were heading with the future and which were, and it's here, the future is here, right? So we're going through amazing times as they fulfill big agendas that seemed just too far-fetched for most general public. Most of the public, it's sad to say, it is sad to say that the indoctrination has been perfect with them. But this is a natural thing. We're so well-studied that we're predictable. And if you know the formulas to introduce certain hypes and fears and terror, the public will always behave in the same way. And Plato said that. So it's been done for an awful long time, eh? It's been used over and over. But we really are in it today, aren't we? And I mean in it, indeed, because of the massive changes that are planned and then implemented. And we'll go down in history just the same way as 9-11. I'm sure 9-11, apart from the fact they pretty well told you what they wanted to do with the wars that would happen if they could get a a Pearl Harbor event from the the PNAC group, the Project for New American Century group, the neocons as they call them. And they published them a couple of times in the 90s. And then 9-11 came along and they got a Pearl Harbor event. And bingo, all these massive totalitarian measures were rammed out on the American people, but not just American, across the world at the same time. Again, see, that gives you a clue as well. Why would the whole world go into this, this anti-terrorism war, which is really a war upon the public, with massive surveillance on everybody and the loss of rights and freedoms and the loss of right even to walk into an airport with them being frisked, uh, groped and all the rest of it, x-rayed, etc. We had all these rights before that we, you took for granted. We always take our rights for granted. And that's maybe the key to everything today because uh, you don't realize how you adapt into new normals and they give you new normals. I gave talks on new normals back in the 90s. That's what, that's what I called it, it was a new normal. And I explained what it meant and how it was introduced. And here you are, the new normals are all here. And folk really think that, that especially the young folk naturally, it's all they know. It's so odd talking about 9-11 again because I remember saying the week that it happened, it might even be the night, and this is a generation will grow up and 20 years down the road, they don't know any other way of living except uh, massive surveillance as being normal, a digital kind of system that would come in, because they talked back then of bringing in a, a digital currency to, because terrorists might use all the cash and stuff. All, all the bad guys use cash. And they, they just unfolded the agenda way back then. And But now you have them, young, there's a lot of young folk who naturally, that's all they know, think it's all quite normal. And they question nothing. And why should they question anything? They can't believe that the parents allowed, if it's all true there's mayhem and conspiracy, why would their parents allow it? Well, the parents were as dumb as they are because we're always kept dumb. In fact, you're born with a, a pretty intact mind, but they go to work very quickly to destroy it. And that's the system in which you live. Never mind, uh, there's countless, countless articles and studies done, professional studies done, legitimate studies about the, the fluoride in the drinking water, for goodness sake. 
and the history of it being used in other countries that were totalitarian beforehand, and they noted the fact that, that it did drop a few IQ points off the public. So it's good for that's a good reason to use it on the public if you want to have less fuss from them. And uh, but we do know that the, the United Nations, the World Health Organization, that you can't believe the World Health Organization, Doctor Who, for goodness sake, okay? Doctor Who, indeed. But they, they do a survey every year, and they, at least they publish the IQ, or they used to up until maybe two or three years ago. Of, of different countries across the world. The same test supposedly applied to the same age groups up and coming every every year or so. And they said that the IQ had, was dropping pretty drastically, uh, not just by par, uh, you know percentages of one point, but by quite a few points. And of course, as always, there's never a reason for it happening. And they never go... You understand, if, if you're truly looked after by the farmers and you're the cattle... Hmm? You're owned. You're owned. You're the, you are where they get all their cash from and, and their higher living stock. You build everything for them if you're working. Uh, you create the cash flow, and that's what they use to plunder you, to take it all from you in one way or another. And they make you dependent on their systems because they own all the corporations and factories in other countries. They, don't, they never enter into the fact, they just own them all, big holding companies. And, but they make sure that you must use their products including their health services, by the way, and their medications and vaccines and everything else, don't they? <laughs> That's called fascism, for those who really don't know what it means. When the corporations collude with governments to, to control and manage and pretty well own the public, uh, it's all been done. And, of course, the little, anti- little communists at the bottom never figure that. The ones who follow, I should say, never figure that out. But they're all useful, useful idiots, according to the ones who own them and use them. Even Bertrand Russell said that, too. And he was all for using them <laughs> to bring in the beautiful order on behalf of the intelligentsia, the, the people who should own all, you see, and know how you should be living. But, again, if you're brought up to be naive which everybody is, you're trained. And every country does it. Does the same techniques to make you believe the country's all genuine. You just stumble down through history and they get, occasionally give you a king or a queen that was half decent. And Germany had some even had hobbies like, you know, repairing clocks and things. It's even a nice, a nice idea for a guy who just liked to build castles and fairy tale castles and, and, and uh, work on clocks, you know, the old, old-fashioned, beautiful clocks, actually. So it must be a nice guy compared to some of them, and this is what you get. And it's true enough with uh, the hit and miss idea. If you truly had just kings and queens running the countries, you you would think occasionally you'd get one or, or two that's half decent. But in reality, kings and queens are the fronts because the ones behind them, the advisors, the one, ones who do the, work the machinery of governance, they're the ones who have the power, especially the ones who run the money. <laughs> Obviously, to the system, that's what Rothschild is saying. He said, give me the control over the money of a nation, and I care not who makes the laws. Because he, he makes the laws. With every loan, the same with the United Nations. I've gone through some of them before, quite a, actually quite a few of them. With, and especially today with the World Bank and all that, and uh, the money they dish out across the world, uh, come with all these conditions of how you must adapt to the new cultures and all the things that you thought abhorrent are now, you better, better do or you get no loans. And that's how it's always been. Money comes attached to conditions, not just financial conditions. 
but with running and changing and altering your culture, you see, which weakens you. That's the whole point of it. You can't be conquered as a culture if, unless you're allowed to be weakened. And you don't realize that it's like the Parthenon in, 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 in Greece. You have a huge roof there in the temple with all these pillars. There's a lot of weight distributed amongst all those pillars. And architects know how to distribute exactly how much weight to each pillar so it's nice and strong. But you knock one down, you see it. That's a tenet of your, of your culture, your system, you might say. It's an analogy. You knock one down, and now, now the rest of them have a little bit added extra weight to them to share amongst them. Then you knock another one down. No more, there's more resting on fewer and fewer pillars. And you keep knocking them down until you collapse. And that's how it's done. It's very, it's, um, it's very Fabian in a sense, but that's how it's done. It takes a while to get it accomplished, but you're guaranteed for it to happen. It must eventually fall. It keeps chipping away. And people never realize that if you really, if you even took each pillar as an example of being um, 50 years, you could go longer, actually, 100, but say 50 years, and say one pillar goes missing. Well, in that 50 years, and there's a generation born and and they're up to the age of 50 when the next pillar goes down, you see. And so you don't see it so much. You think it's just happening by itself. If, if it all happened within about a year or two, you'd all get wise and dumb. So something else is going on here. So you, if you want to really take down a nation, well, you do the Gramsci type of takedown. You take over the culture until you run the culture. You are the culture, in fact. And, uh, and that's how you take it down. Besmanov put it across pretty well too. Yuri Besmanov talks about uh, the war is it from, on the Soviet system against the West was a cultural war, really. Because you destroy the culture, everything else falls apart. Anyway, folk won't go off and fight for wars and stuff if you destroy the culture. You can't get uh, them unified behind any party in politics. You also make sure, see, even the ones who go into politics that are traditionally psychopathic are wor become worse themselves until they're anything but role models to follow. So no one does follow them because they become corrupted even more so than they are by nature. But then when you get the public uh, the court, uh, following the same corruption, mainly through entertainment and through the wars on the culture and adapting into the new systems of sexual revolutions that came with all the fallout of the sexual revolution, uh, then uh, step by step you're, you, you become degraded and you collapse. You can't stand strong. And so you had the sexual revolution promoted through the movies. It really became a bit more explicit in the 1960s, say, in Britain, that is. They tried it all from the beginning in Hollywood, really pushing it until they were hauled back a bit by different censoring committees. And then they came back out again in the 60s and really pushed it once again. So uh, it's all cultural war. It isn't just what sells. I mean, that's definitely part of it too. Sex does sell. It's in all the ads and so on. And uh, it's a primitive uh, need, in a sense, you see. To, to Nature doesn't care about if you can support children or not, or support yourself, as long as you have sex to make sure the species goes on. That's how you're made, you see. So you can always exploit something. It's the same as food. Food you need, you see, uh, or you die. <laughs> which I think we'll, we'll, we'll come to again with the COVID stuff, is it create massive famines, which is part of the intention uh, to bring you into austerity. 
But um, that's a different story again. It's a different type of the war, of course. It's still terror. It's a war of terror upon the public, the whole COVID idea, and the lockdowns, and, and so on, and destruction of your economy in one, one fell swoop. Awfully good for the World Economic Forum and the Club of Rome, I must admit. Well planned. Took years to plan it. But getting back to just the culture itself, you see, if you're a strong culture, you wouldn't accept any of that either. <laughs> you really wouldn't. You have more common sense. And you would have this idea, a strange idea that was, that used to be pretty um, ingrained in people because we fought for centuries to get it. One was privacy and, and that also was, was lumped into your rights. You had individual rights, you see. And uh, people have given it all away since 9-11 pretty well uh, under the guise of a war on terror, which is a war of terror on the public, uh, which stripped you of all your rights and privacy and all the rest of it. And the second part now is a COVID, you see, so out the unroll, which was sitting on the same dusty shelves covered in dust. And they, they blow the dust off it and bring in the 5G Internet of Things and implement it all. And there's all this money, apparently. It's just fictitious anyway. But it's all this money to implement all these projects. And uh, you can't fix roads and so on because it's not intended. It's not intended to fix roads. Infrastructures to be fall apart, at least outside the cities. They'll do some work eventually once you're all crammed into the sustainable cities and smart cities, as they want to call them. And uh, they'll fill in a few potholes, but the rest of the country roads they're going to just fill up and close off. I watched this happening for years. Actually, the build up to it, with uh, the, when I used to do the talks on the on the United Nations biospheres and so on. And they had these different areas marked off for human habitats and maps that they churned out. Amazing for an organization that you pay billions to, but you, you don't get any right to vote for anything. In fact, you don't even get into talking about it you know, with them. It's a, a closed shop, non-democratic. So this non-democratic system, system, which you support and finance, dictates all the policies for the future. Because they, in turn, are owned as well, you know. By the same guys who own all your money systems and the few, and again guys at WEF, for instance. Eh? So they they bring in their their animal corridors and their human habitats corridors, and the human ha- habitat corridors follow these big long highways that were putting up through the nineties onwards to the present time, and that's where you have to live within a certain radius or outside of those, or around those particular routes. You see. And if, you, if you're in the long lines outside of them, it's pretty precise. But if you live on the side roads that go off for miles and, and, and left and right, you know, east and west, you say, uh, these roads go north to south, then you have to get closer and closer into the corridors because you won't even get Wi-Fi there. It's quite amazing. Because I know people who, who uh, like myself, for instance, I, I lived outside the corridor. And I can't get the Wi-Fi. If it, now, if I was in a mile further in, I could probably get it, a signal, but I'm not. So, I'm, so this is got all these little encouragements for you to move. That's how it's done, you see. Most folk don't realize you're prompted to make decisions they want you to make without realizing you've, no, been, you've been given no choice. <laughs> Since I've planned a Wi-Fi future, right? And that's how they do it. And... Um, the smart cities have been on the go for quite a few years now. I did lots of talks years ago about it. 
and organizations again involved and uh, the, the, in the cities with the councillors, they have councillors like in Toronto for instance city councillors, they're supposedly elected I think and, uh, and that's a joke too with who they are but um, I'm sure they're all on the payroll they get kickbacks that's, we're living in an amazing system of more open uh, corruption you see. I think it's always been here but it's more open today because most of the folk, the public, don't seem to care so much when it's found out. But uh, who gave, uh, who who decided to just make these smart cities? And uh, and we know who they were, the different companies and Google and all the rest of them that planned all this kind of thing with Silicon Valley, yada, yada, massive projects worldwide. And uh, the smart city projects of the Department of Defense, for instance, how the future would be these massive cities and, and eventually city-states. You see, that's what they'd planned for the future, right down to even having occasional wars between the, the new city-states, just like the old ones, the old wall cities. They'd have these wars, and mainly to do with finances, and this would be financial-type warfare and sabotage of each other's economies by... The new system that would evolve, which would be, again, way post-democratic. They might even fade out the whole idea of politicians, which I wouldn't care about, because they're all t- on the take anyway. Uh, we wouldn't be in the mess we're in if you had real people, real politicians, and real councillors even, who really cared about you and did what the, what the laws say that they're there to do. None of them do, eh? None of them do. And you take this basic, basic government... Doesn't matter if it's a republic or, or so-called the, the farce of democracy, but you get a vote and that's it. Neither of them. that's it. A vote to get somebody in, that's it. But you forget what's even supposed to be. It's supposed to be that you send somebody off to government, either local, like like a, a province or a state in the states, you know, but in Canada it's a province. You send one off there, or one off, and maybe one off to the to the federal government. You see. But they're supposed to be one of you. It's not supposed to be a full-time profession. It's one of you who, who's elected to represent you, your, your, your area, your state, you see. Not a party and not corporations. Or I mean, all they do is sit there with their hands out for the lobbyists, these characters. That's what they do. So why, why, why do we go along with it? It's because everything's changed gradually, like the pillars getting to until you adapt and think it's not quite normal. It's not normal at all. It's not normal when all the lobbyists can line up and, and have, and, and these politicians have goodness knows how many secretaries to make all the appointments to see different lobbyists, but the general population that they're supposed to represent can't get in to see them. You can't even get a reply from them, or you know, some rubber-stamped, you know, generic copy of something that's been used before. We feel your pain. Signed so and so, you know, photocopied, and that's about all you get. And so we live in a joke, don't we? And we pretend that we're somehow free, even though your grandparents and great-grandparents would be in shock to see what you've given up. Not no, not even knowing you've given it all up, and you're still giving it up. To save your skins, you're giving up all your freedoms to fight this, 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 this bug out there. <gasps> this bug, this, this invention of a horror movie. After giving you stacks of these, these movies in the past, getting you ready for it. Because you're always trained through fiction, you see. 
total lockdowns and plague and pandemic and oh, virus and oh. and here's what you mu- here's how you must behave and here's what the authorities do. Really, is that what they do? Huh? <laughs> You're all trained into the fiction before they, they supposedly release something if they did or whatever. And you jump in, and they're and again they're not taking your rights and freedoms away any more or less than they were doing it during after nine eleven. They're keeping you safe. You know, the tyrants called down through it. We're keeping you safe. So you have no rights. In fact, if you demand rights, you're putting everybody else at risk. <laughs> we are living in amazing times. It truly really is amazing to watch it all come out. Huh? I like some of the old sci-fi movies. I mean old ones. Because... It's like old stage plays And maybe still some today in fact Amateur amateur into the professional stage plays Where the actors have to really get make you believe that, that it's real Whatever they're portraying to you and their characters are real you see And Britain was a good country for giving you And so was the States for years ago For giving you good character actors you see they could play the role, very believable role, very adaptable, not just stereotyped in the same role over and over and over, like some are, but good character actors make it believable. And no matter how ridiculous, if it's a sci-fi, for instance, how ridiculous and, and how, how cheap the sets were, <laughs> he enjoyed it because they got into it. They got into it. They, they, they put a, a realistic enthusiasm on their part. And, and it's quite good with little cardboard boxes and things like that. And uh, things that a lot of folks, youngsters today, would just laugh at because it's just too cheap. They're usually special effects and big money and special effects. And uh, years ago, he didn't need that. He had good acting. And, uh, and, and he had the human element. Or if the human elements of different characters were evolved and, and portrayed. In the, so it was really good. I liked that. Uh, but, but here's the difference. That still was fiction. And, and you always knew it was fiction. Hmm? But, you, 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 but again, here's an analogy. You, t- you take what they do, which is they conven- try and convince you that what they're trying to entertain you with is real, regardless of the set, regardless of the, of the, the settings around them on the stage or whatever it happened to be, or in, or in the movie. And, and and it almost was Shakespearean in a sense, if it's, if it's a play, because Shakespeare's stage used to come down into the audience, like a kind of runway, and the audience could see the, the actors. But the idea was to make you, the audience, participate to an extent in the play. That was that was that was really important, and that stayed for hundreds of years, maybe even still today, trying to bring the audience into the stage play, the participation. And that's the difference between good entertainment, you see. But but by the same token, you, you always knew that it was entertainment. But yet you transfer it all, because for the last maybe thirty years now, increasingly so, and and actually even before that, to do with the sexual revolution, into the plays and movies that they put on television, it was all to change sexual culture, which is to change and actually destroy the marriage culture and the family unit, as we, as it used to be known. I even joke today uh, because he talked about the nuclear family, and um, 
but really, uh, to my my mind today, the, the nuclear because everything's got double entendres and so on. The nuclear family today is transparent. You, there's nothing they don't know about any of you. You're the nuclear family with the data, whereas the old one, of course, was a nuclear age and all the rest of it. But now you, you're you're clear. They can see right through you, and they know all about you. But they know more more about you than you do, and everybody in your family. In fact, they even know what your family's up to when you don't. <laughs> <laughs> so that's your that's a little play on the nuclear family, but you take the settings too of these old sci-fi's, the cheapo sci-fi's, and you, you would see the characters really get into the describing something horrible and, and alien and using cheap sets and so on, and, and keep a straight face. That, that's a skill, keeping a straight face with, with the expression of consternation and, and worry or. or Things or even fear, you know, by these actors. But you put all it into the COVID thing, and you look at Fauci, and he's, you want to laugh. I mean, you do. They keep straight faces, even though you see the giveaways in, the, in their faces, like Fauci, and definitely Bill Gates. I mean, he would flop as an actor any time because there's something else in that character that, that uh, there's nothing you could trust in the man. It really shines from his face. The most in, insincere eyes you've ever seen as is, 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 is prattling on and waving his hands around. Um, yeah, but you, yeah, they're telling you to give up all your rights and freedoms and obey them and have demolish the economy because this is the Great Reset, remember. This is the whole Agenda 21, the agenda for the 21st century, the whole thing, not just 2030 and different parts along the way, for the whole thing. Right? Not just 15 years apart, the different implementation dates and so on, but the whole thing for the whole is getting rammed down now, you see. Sustainability, Agenda 21, and uh, the Green New Deal, all these things, blah, blah, blah. Population reduction, austere living, meaning poverty. You know, I've said it before, you, you, you see, in Britain, that's what they used to call Serfs. A serf wasn't a slave, because you're British, for goodness sake. You've got this, this more modern idea of freedoms. You led democracy, you know. So you could never have had slaves. You call them serfs, but that's what you were. You were bought and sold with the land, and <laughs> you're a slave. In fact, if you ran away from, from the, the area you were born in, your lord could have the S branded in your forehead, for those who don't know that. Eh? And they did that, yeah. And could kill you, too. But, uh, but that's the way it was. That was the land of freedom, you know, land of the free and home, home of the brave and all that. So that's how the whitewash history, to make the next generation go off to wars and fight for a British empire, of course, which they, didn't, they wouldn't own any of it, the general population. They just pay for the upkeep of all and for the militarization of it and so on. Uh, why, why should businesses pay for their enterprises, for goodness sake, when you've got these massive populations that do it for you? You just make sure there's unemployment at a certain level every so often, and young guys will go off and fight. They do, you know, it's quite a natural thing for them to do, actually, in any country, uh, if they can't get work. So you just make sure you always keep enough unemployed to go off and... And then you tell them they'll be somebody, because if you're an unemployed young guy, you're, you're a nobody, you see. But you go off and kill folk for your country, or for your businesses, and you're a somebody. And they'll make you proud of it, and they do, and young guys will get be proud of it. You know, there's no, they feel no, no shame in what they did because they, they're given basic, simple propaganda to believe in. Very simple. 
Brzezinski said it himself, and, and it's sort of Kissinger, you, you must always get them simple propaganda, not elaborate, complex propaganda, because then you can pick holes in it, make it simple, keep it simple. And, uh, and, and they'd never change that. But as I say, you, you, we live with so many fallacies of the past, you know. People look at these old, old, awful BBC dramas. I always say that where a country's in decline, you see a nation's in decline when they always give you, promote, use your tax money to make stuff like the BBC does, movies for TV or whatever, plays on on maybe the 17th or 17th century or something like that. And they show you these, these cottages and with, with um, the thatched roof, some of them, you know, for the peasantry. And the better ones for the lords of the manor. And, and they're always decent folk, these lords of the manor, you know. And they, we get their family problems and the dramas and fictions that they give you. And we should all be concerned about the elite's family problems. Not the peasants who are living on straw in their, in their, on the floor of their homes. <laughs> How they can really drastically change society. And your impression of what society was and what it is today. And yet there was a culture, it doesn't matter about how poor folk were, there was a, def, a definite culture, absolutely, a very strong and rich culture. You find it in most countries, in fact. Uh, underneath it all, there's still that decency and a real strong culture, you know. They might have been wearing silks and so on, but they still had a strong heritage. Of course you did. And even that now is getting eradicated because it's their destiny to, it's been planned for them, predestined for them to be wiped out pretty well or bred out of extinction. And uh, and that's the truth of it, folks. It's not my opinion about stacks of information and, and uh, info from sources who actually work towards it. <laughs> but, but that's how it is. But you do get false histories. So yeah, we've never seen so many Poor actors, compared to the old sci-fi, we've got poor actors now coming out to, to terrify you. And, and then you have you've all these admissions, lots of admissions from the companies from, like Sage uh, involved in Britain and the ones for the States. I've got the ones for the States and Canada too, eh? Never mind all the other ones, the battalions of, of cyber warfares, the, the operatives, they call them. Thousands of them uh, working for the Brigade 77 and so on like that. But, um, and, and many other organizations like that. Uh, doing unconventional warfare. It's all, it's all lumped in with unconventional warfare, which is a strategy well-funded indeed with special operations. Pure cyber warfare, and they, they they do. If you if you're a nuisance, and if you open up chat rooms and so on, uh, or you even put down comments on anything you put out there on social media, and comments comment section, you'll be infiltrated very right away. If you're a problem, if you're a nuisance, and uh, and you have people who who will give you fake names and all the rest of it, they'll try to befriend you. And because they've already found your, they've already found your. Don't forget when you've got access through Silicon Valley and the NSA to your entire personality, and the profiling they've done on you, they can see any weak spots that you've had. They've got your histories too, you know, and they'll know how to to open that little chink 
that whatever weaknesses, and, and get it, and then they'll try and blow your mind by turning on you after the befriend you, things like that. These are these are from their operations man books, that manuals, by the way. They actually have operational manuals on this man. Your taxpayer funds this. These anonymous pieces of you know what that are funded by your tax money to try and wreck folks' lives. Can you? This is your government. This is the folk that you vote for. These governments eh? that employ this filth by the thousands to quench any other opinion on any particular topic that the government wants to to be have eliminated. And you still think you're a free and democratic society. <laughs> what a joke, eh? What a joke. And yeah, I could go on and on and on about the COVID, but I won't right now. And maybe later I'll give a few articles out. But the thing is, I mean, I don't even argue the debate that they want you into with the facts versus what they tell you, you know. Even from, though it comes from the same sources, which they'll then, they'll then counter again and deny. <laughs> You've got it all. This is all deliberate psychological warfare. It's a technique that they use. They used it in 9-11 as well. And even before 9-11, they've used the same techniques where they, they put out uh, the initial propaganda. And then they say, well, this is how it happened. Because you had thousands of folk that, that saw the same footage and say, well, wait a minute here, this looks like controlled demolition. And so you immediately put a, 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 um, one or two contrary opinions to it, or you'll see what's been chatted, especially today with social media. In real time, they can get folks' opinions on the, you know, guided to them, and they, they know what's being said. And before you know it, they've got a whole bunch of other theories thrown out there with profession, very professionally sounded professors and so coming out with these ideas. What, what else could have done this, you see? Until, and right, see, because beforehand, the one thing every, everybody was united on, wait a minute, we've seen this before with controlled demolitions. So that was a unified front. The word is unified. Everybody saw that. that that's a conclusion they came to. How do you do, how do you destroy an opposite? You must divide and conquer. And so they, they, before you know, and they know how to do it. And they'll even target to their, their news to certain people, knowing that they'll, this one's they'll fall for this line of it and they'll fall for that line until you have all them all arguing with each other. And then the general population and folk who come along a year later and, and look into or two years later. Get totally confused and give up and just, just, and just deny it all. It's conspiracy. That's how you do it. They've all been neutralized. Rather than stick to the, the, the initial premise. We all saw them falling in like controlled demolitions into their own footprint. They all dropped. Poof. Pop, 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 floor by floor. And that was destroyed effectively by, well, it could have been amazing radiation techniques and super this and that. Well, who cares? The fact is, you all saw it. If you're unified, then you'd be together, a much bigger opposition. It's harder to ignore a bigger opposition. And the same thing comes along with COVID, as you know. And, and initially, they've changed the name three times, I think, isn't it? Uh, three times and... and uh, the, the, again, the SARS had SARS-CoV-2, remember? So it was a SARS-type virus. They didn't say 
Well, why didn't we all die with SARS-CoV-1? Huh? Why didn't we? I mean, they were, we didn't get vaccinations at all put out the committee for that, did we? And I guess it's all forgotten because folk build up herd immunity to viruses. That's what you do anyway, it's by nature, you see. But what they don't tell you as well, if you take the, the PCR test, the swab test they're using, which is not meant for <laughs> diagnosing, it's pathetic. The inventor said that. But facts don't matter, you know, because they're guaranteed to get results. Well, they always pick up fragments of viruses, and they literally amplify them. They, they multiply them through different uh, techniques in the laboratory to try to see if there could be a lot. Could, could it possibly indicate somewhere down the line a, a live virus? And every country's got different level levels of measuring these fragments, you see, so they can get different results. It's useless for testing for that. Apart from the fact you're always breathing in viruses. It's like with COVID, folk didn't die until you heard the COVID. Suddenly death is happening. But they don't tell you that the same numbers, or maybe even more at times, have died every winter from the flu and the cold. And it's the elderly that are more, more vulnerable always too, or folk who are compromised with lung diseases and so on. That's just the way it is. It's always been that way. And... Uh, and there are many, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of viruses out there, all the time. Their body fights off and, uh, you know, they don't always have the antibodies to them because after a while, um, I mean, certain T cells actually have memories. They, they're, they're, it's almost like a, a blueprint. They don't know how to remanufacture the particular antibody if that thing came back. That, that's how it works, you see. Otherwise, with so many viruses out there, you know, and like lots of coronavirus types, including the common cold as well. With all them out there, uh, your body would, you'd be dead again with cytokine storms all the time. Uh, in fact, there'd be more antibodies to everything that you've had in your lifetime and didn't know you had. Never gave you problems. You fought it off without even knowing your body has a good immune system. Uh, but your, your, your antibodies, there'd be more antibodies than you'd have red blood cells. <laughs> <laughs> as simple as that. So your body's a great machine. They can actually stop overproducing them when it's not sensing in your environment the same uh, stimulus from a particular virus. So it'll switch it off for a while. But it's still got the blueprint how to manufacture it, if, if should it come along. That's normal. So you read bits and pieces of these things coming out of the different medical journals, uh, and it's printed in the papers. They're very selective not to tell you your body, that's all oh, you know there. And it's interesting, even Fauci said, that, oh, it's, there's no guarantee that your own immune system is going to uh, create antibodies that will last very long. Well, not the same with the vaccinations. Why do you need to give the flu shots every year? <laughs> so this is, this, is the, this is the jokes with all these things. But they know, they know darn well that, that uh, you understand. Think back to this, what they call the Spanish flu. Think back to, to the, the artists you've read about it, at least, and there's lots of documentaries about it. And never mind the living conditions about it at the time. Never mind the fact that lots of them were in the army at the time during a, a World War One, which was a horrible system. And uh, more folk died in World War One of disease, probably, than anything else in the trenches for years, for goodness sake. Didn't, a lot of them didn't get home even for a leave in four years in, in Britain. 
and uh, terrible climate as well, and terrible winters, and mud and all, ugh, malnutrition, yada yada. But, uh, but yeah, how come the whole planet doesn't die off of the Spanish flu without a vaccination? Huh? <laughs> well, naturally, you developed antibodies, and, and the folk who uh, produced antibodies threw it off. A lot of folk, again, didn't uh, show symptoms of it. That's standard stuff. Certain folk uh, might be more prone. They could either hit you they are or the, or the older. This is how viruses work. But it also depends on times and conditions. Right? And when you have uh, malnutrition in, in societies like you still had in World War I, you had rationing going on in, in European countries. And then you hit yourself. And that, that included coal shortages. A lot of coal was going off to the war effort for factories, for munitions, and... For, for heating, you know, and powering the, the, the machinery, steam. And also for the, the navies, massive navies. Eh? So there was less and less of coal, right? It was, so coal was rationed for domestic use. So you put these things together and you get a lot of other problems, eh? Including, don't forget, too, a lot of folk were dying of flus and things, other flus, and, and the common cold, and all other kinds of viral upper respiratory diseases. But facts, are, facts get in the way again, you see. Facts are just a darn nuisance when you've got a very poor um, sci-fi to produce and display to the public, to put on display, and convince the public to give up all the rights and freedoms uh, uh, and put your whole faith, your whole future, or, or non-future, because you might die of the vaccination, some of them they said, they said might die, and you can't sue anybody if you get sick because of it, because they've passed a law that they get immunity for giving the, the vaccine companies, that is, and also the, the folk who are going to stick it in you as a pincushion and get paid for it. They're not doing it for free. <laughs> so, yeah, you understand you can't... That's, you're supposed to just accept on faith and accept, well, I might die of this. How do you feel at the moment? I feel fine. Do you feel sick? No, no, I'm not sick at all. Well, I'll take this shot anyway, and um, if you die, then um, at least you, you made your own decision to take it. And that's all, that's, all, that's, a, that's a contract right there, actually. Yeah. That's how they're putting it across to you. If, if they even give you, they're supposed to give you getting informed consent before they, get, they do any medical procedure on you. That's a medical procedure, actually. It's still invasive, eh? sticking something in you. And they want you to forget all that and just give all your rights up. To even your own life, to the to the system, and science, and corporations that are behind it all, and they want to terrify you so much that you'll just throw your hands in the air and say, "Oh, for goodness' sake, get ahead, go on with it." Then, and then they'll tell you, "Well, this is only the first one of a series of them." Oh, now last week I think last week it was a week before I read um, the articles again in the mainstream newspapers. Eh? That were the people who were getting tested with it, getting you ready for for the, getting sick, by the way, because they say, well, the first one said so and so, a test subject, it wasn't so bad. If a sore arm, you know, and stiff and sore, it's the second one. That this woman said that it might floor you for a day or two. You say, you might have to go off work. Well, you don't want to borrow work. You won't have any work anyway. We're all going bankrupt. But um, 
yeah, you might you might have to take days. Well, something that's going to put you on your back for a couple of days uh, is um, is doing you harm. You have to do, do no harm is what the first rule. Yeah? And the old Hippocratic oath that they used to take: do no harm. And someone who's going to get floored in their back, who was healthy before, by the way. Uh, and is going to put on their back for, for at least a couple of days. Is, I'd, I'd say that's doing them harm. Never mind the fact you don't have the long-term studies. There, there's even articles I'll touch on today where they want the right to put through the vaccinations that, that, that they say might have been rushed through initial testing, but they want to put them throughout there without even getting licensed. By the government. See, every, no one wants to touch this and get in, in case somehow, by some miracle, there could be lawsuits down the road, regardless of what the, they've signed on to. So, what's the game here? Huh? Well, the game is something I, I, I did talks on years ago that they're now calling the immunity passport. They wanted, <laughs> they wanted everyone electronically to have electronic surveillance from the United Nations, WHO, and so on. And uh, some way of registering vaccinations, not just the occasional thing that you would volunteer for or say, okay, you know, but all vaccinations that, they came, that, that were on the books already and boosters, annual boosters for everything. And so on and so on. You see, again, we are the business. I don't care what excuse. They, we are a business. When folk are becoming multi-billionaires off of you, that's called a business, you see. And when you exploit the public to get the business, you, then you're, you are exploitative, and you're also rather evil. And when your governments are man, in, on, in, on, in, in the bed with them, that's called fascism, folks, where you must take this company's product, even if it's going to harm you. Simple as that. We've all went through the whole the admissions, which I'll touch on again, from the, the health authorities in the summer where they had to backtrack on all the COVID deaths, as they called them, that were to terrify you, and reduce them by 90, was it 96%. <laughs> they were padding everything for deaths. No matter what you died of, it was covid and COVID, this wishy-washy particle test, little bits and pieces of a possible virus, it doesn't mean you've got it. It doesn't even mean you've had it. If you had that in your nostrils, regardless of what killed you, even accidents on the road, they'd put you down as COVID death. So they did, a lot of them did um, retract that officially. And uh, by a massive sum, massive sum, now, when they go to such lengths to lie to you, when, why would you go right back to square one with the, with the boogeyman's out again, eh? Is this because it's Halloween? Ooh, be very, very afraid, children. I want to drink your blood. And right back to square one again with the same stuff, waving the hands, terrifying you. Same stuff. When, when do you want to start trusting the same liars who, who were shown to be liars uh, come this summer with admissions. But they're right back at it again. 
and they'll keep at it, they won't give up. And don't forget with their tiered lockdown system from, from Event 201 and, um, and also the Lockstep 2010. And all the other admissions have come out since from different organizations working towards this agenda. Do you really think these folk are going to give up? They're not going to give up. It's a world agenda to bring the whole world under a new form of rulership. Rulership is not government, it's rulership. They might use governance as rulership. Rulership by themselves and corporations. Was it Quigley said? He was all for the agenda. The man who taught uh, the State Department employees in the U.S. He taught them, generations of them. They ran everything. That's the most important part in the U.S. government, State Department. And they dish out the billions across the planet and decide it's all private business and corporations and so on. And who gets what taxpayer money thrown out to what nation or whatever. And all that stuff, you know. Who's going to get rich and all these these new characters that are brought into it suddenly are billionaires, a lot of them, or their friends are, or their families become... It's so incredibly corrupt. But really, it's not corrupt because corruption would infer that it's illegal, but it's not illegal. That's just it. We live in an incredible fiction of reality, the one that they've drafted up for us, you see, and indoctrinated into us. People have forgotten uh, the, the, the joking, and I call them jokes, for inquiries that they had after 2007 and eight supposed, uh, that was a little reset then to a little collapse, eh? plan collapse. And uh, the, the, the heads of the Federal Reserve there and so on, and was it Bernanke, was, there was different ones there. An inquiry, and they made it quite plain that they couldn't be prosecuted for what they did. And that their system, the part that the Federal Reserve System, was a separate body from the U.S. government that could not have any penalties levied against it. It's astonishing. The folk think it's federal, that it's part of. No, no. All government um, sections that used to run the countries uh, are privatized. They privatized whole areas long, long ago and farmed it out to private agencies. And again, parts of the fascistic system, you see. That way you can't challenge it. Or that used to be what government did. We used to deal with that part of society, but. Um, but it's nothing to do with us now, so you can't sue us. It's a, owned by a private company. They do it all for us. You know. That's how every, public-private partnerships. Well, if you remember the public, you get to say and, and, and <laughs> that you're signed on, or, or can even complain that you're signed on to these partnerships. Have you ever seen anything, any questionnaire asking you for your permission on anything? No. Terminology is so important because... That's how they get everything that they want done, by use of words. Very important words, aren't they? George Orwell had it in 1984. 
words. Very important the use of words and these things called words when he's sitting in the cafeteria. And someone who worked on the dictionary next to him came in and they had a little conversation. Oh, you're working on the latest version so-and-so of the dictionary. Oh, yes. He said, did you know that, that, that the dictionary used to be, and he put his hands out and he showed me something about this thick, three inches or four inches. He says, last year it was down to, and he showed you about something down to about an inch. And he says, but this year it's down to about a quarter inch. I said, really, brother? Wow. Because once again, Orwell shows you that this surrealistic system that you're then into, where you have to literally warp your own brain and go through an act of madness to accept it all, or you or be discovered that you're still sane. So they say at the table, oh, I see, brother. So, so the words are becoming minimalistic, fewer and fewer words. So when, when eventually you get to a stage where you, for if you were subversive, a terrorist, you uh, like wrong thinker, own thinker, and so I had all these different terms, which they're coming out with now, they're using them quite openly now, aren't they? And um, you've got vaccine hesitancy now. <gasps> and they've got agencies employed to overcome your, you personally, you, your vaccine hesitancy. You should be called your choice. No, you're, you're hesitant. Hmm. So at the table, he says, I see, brother, he says. Um, so when, when, it's, when there's no more words to express your discontent or even organize to fight and, and become terrorist, then it, the terrorism will be obsolete. It, it couldn't happen because you can't convey the thoughts. Precisely, brother. And that's where you're going, folks. Linguistic minimalism. And they then implant all these new words. Have you noticed how there's just a whole barrage of new terms come out recently? I don't even bother trying to find out what they are anymore. I don't care. I don't need to lose my sanity. War, complete war on everything, including vocabulary. It's just really interesting. And before I go for this part, let's mention they should go into cutting through the matrix.com. I always say the same talk. Don't just dismiss it or turn off your ears because it's all coming down the, down very quickly. If you can't find my, my talks, if you suddenly get cut off or whatever, go into cutting through the matrix.com. Look at all my official sites which are listed there. Copy that, take a note of it, so that if, if one goes down, you, hopefully you can still get me on another one of them. These are all my official sites. Other sites I'll use my talks out there. And uh, as long as they don't ch change anything, you know, they can use them. And um, But my official ones are on my com site and my other official. <laughs> everyone's an official site on the on the .com site that's listed there. Make a note of it. It's awfully important because they're going to, uh, under the different stage, uh, two, three, and four, and five tier lockdowns and so on, they also up the ante against going after folk who won't agree with it. They call them social influencers. A social influencer is someone that collects facts and has got the ability to put them across to people. That's a dangerous thing in this day and age. They're at war with you. And they are at war with you. But make no mistake, this is war, total war. On the whole population, even the ones who don't know what's going on, they are, they've got a war against them to bring in a new system which they must 
give opinions to. A system that they talked about for years, trying to get you to deindustrialize totally, going back to a pre-industrial age, where folk died of all kinds of pneumonias because they couldn't even eat themselves and they might have decent nourishment and so on. And it's all to come back, you see. Under necessity, there's too many of you, too many of you, even though all the European countries were diminishing in populations, they weren't never that high, to be honest with you, compared to other nations. But they were good. People were good. They listened to their betters and said, that's okay, two to a family and no more. And, and that'll be just replacement rate, no more. And then you start getting one to a family, and then you're below replacement. But even so, it's not overpopulation. In fact, if you were to meet the targets they wanted to meet in the 1930s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, and 70s, and 80s, you'd done awfully well. You were good citizens, you see. But then they flood your countries with mass migration from countries that I've never heard of, of minimalistic families. Yeah? That, were, that no one had told them to cut back it probably. And so they, 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 they'll still breed and so on. And then, then it turned out, oh, there's too many of you now. Well, what is it supposed to be? You're being good and you're not having as many uh, children. Well, that's, that's, that, now that's bad now. It's bad for you because you'll die off. <laughs> but there you go. You can't, it's, it's not meant that you satisfy your, your owners. It's what's been planned for the world. And certain groups especially have to be completely eradicated. Uh, I was thinking of that today. I was looking at the articles in Ireland and Scotland, and, and I thought, well, how come countries that literally had genocides carried out on them? And they were planned genocides. Let's make no bones about that. Yeah? That uh, you'd think, and again, it shows you how the great work that was done on them to make them all forget, and by, again, fate history and all the rest of it, and... It was potatoes that, that killed you off, bad potatoes, bad spuds, and stuff like that, you know. But that was planned genocide. And, uh, yeah, people people used to say to me, oh, the Highlands are so beautiful in Scotland, you know, so beautiful. And I'd say, yeah, because you can go there and you see this these wild mountains and valleys and beautiful, and at good days when it's not pouring rain. It, it's it's beautiful, empty places, but it's a, a tremendous feeling of sadness there. For, if you're a Scot, at least for me anyway. And I used to tell the tourists, yeah, it's hard to imagine that millions of people used to live out all, all in those places. What happened to them? Well, they were slaughtered, <laughs> slaughtered and starved, and uh, and deported across the world to other nations to build up for Britain, for the UK, the British Empire. So bad too that when you when you read uh, the historian and author John Preble wrote some good books on the Highland Clearances. One, I think one of them was called the Highland Clearances, and the line in the North was another one, and um, Culloden I think perhaps too. But he uh, he was a historian also for the British War. Um, Association, basically, the military association, Department of Defense, basically. 
So he knew his stuff, and he went into the, the histories of what happened and had access to it too, because there's so much they don't tell the public when it comes to planned slaughter. And so he he put some good, good information out there, enough that he was allowed to put it out that way. But he talks about the, the rebellion in 1745, that rising, as they call it, which ended in uh, Culloden in 1746. But the clearances itself went on for years after that. There was a rampage just to go out and try to hunt down everybody <laughs> across the entire Highland region of Scotland. And they wiped out so many families. Some of the soldiers, as I've mentioned before, did write about it when they went back home to England and to the southern Scotland, a lot more southern Scottish too, and the southern regiments. And they, they talked about the atrocities that they, they had seen and they maybe even participated in too. I've seen that, the, the originals, the documentation, that used to be in Inverness, and I'll see ones in London as well. But the plans to get rid of them, literally put everybody to the sword, you know, man, woman and child, anybody who was suspected, just the fact you lived in the islands after a, a revolution where a small part of them joined the revolution uh, for the then Prince Charles Stuart. Yeah, small, a small part really joined it, very small, you know, compared to the rest of the population. didn't matter. They also wanted to get rid of uh, these upstarts because the Scots had a, a habit of saying naughty things, you know. And... Uh, that's a darn nuisance, that, when you when you got folk that, that just put their feet in and say, I'm not going to do that, no way, you know. Tyrants hate that kind of attitude. To the dis- disobedience is just awful. So they, they got rid of them. And then they sent the troops after the Battle of Culloden after them, and, and they went through the islands with complete impunity, the same kind of impunity you're going to get for damage you cause or death due to giving folk vaccines, com- complete immunity from prosecution or anything else. So they set the military loose on them. And there were no tribunals. There were there was no let's grabbing folk and yeah. They, well, they had them too, but for the rest of the population they went through the islands. And if if you spoke your language, Gaelic, that was enough to get you killed. Men, women and children. And some of the troops uh, that were in the British Army did write about it later, absolutely horrific things they witnessed. So yeah, beautiful place, and you realize that millions of folk used to live there, and there'd be a lot more in this day and age if they hadn't been wiped out. Other ones were put into ships and that in the clearances. As it, once the, the world started to get a whiff of this genocide going on, and uh, they, they said, oh, we're sending them off to other colonies, eh? For part of the British Empire, so then they started getting old, and they've got records of the old ships that were rescheduled for, for being destroyed because they were sinking. <laughs> old old ships, old wooden ships, and they put a lot of these folk on it by force at Bayonet points and uh, on the west coast. I suppose they go to, they go to Canada, America, they call them, and uh, the relatives. Uh, the records are all there in the museums and. Uh, of them, of relatives watching them, these these boats go off and they were sinking before they hit the horizon. They were already sunk and the folk were drowned. Boat after boat after boat after boat. As they knew they would sink. <laughs> That's how you get rid of people. Yeah. 
so yeah, you think about Scotland and Ireland, and I say, oh, they're getting the worst of the lockdowns with these tyrants that are now. They come out of uh, supposedly to get their independence, and <laughs> they get their, they end up under the European Union, and a well, worse type tyranny. But they also end up really with with a communistic kind of governments running them. Don't forget, in other words, they, they want a communism. Communism's a front, always was a front for something else to dominate you, but also for technocracy. The same groups that, that say the efficiency is run by experts, and society has got to be efficient. You can't have this rights thing that's a nuisance that slows down progress. You know, we want to put roads through here and roads and move folk from here over to there, and that's progress. You know. Having to, having to butter up the people to, yeah, it just, it's, it's just too slow, cumbersome. They actually said that at the Club of Rome. <laughs> Maggie Thatcher said it too when she joined the, uh, the technocratic groups, actually, after, after retirement. She said, get things done without having to go through public process and, or public ridicule or opposition. So yeah, as I say, uh, cuttingthroughthematrix.com and buy the books and discs or, or straight donations really welcome because it, it just costs a lot to keep things just ticking along here and I want to maybe, if I can, do a lot more, get good equipment and get better internet access because I'm getting hammered. Um, I'm in the country and I get hammered through satellite because they've got opposition, and, and yeah, yeah, it'll just start slowing at the right time. During the day, it slows like crazy. It's not cheap either, by the way, and uh, I can never use my maximum quota, because I never get the speed to use it all anyway. But you can see them slowing it down, unless you stay up after midnight. So as good business sense, like Bernays said, rather uh, get the customer good products, uh, change the, the the customer to suit your product, and that's what they do with on internet. And under the, under the COVID guys, especially, uh, they're they're doing. Oh well, you know, it's COVID slowing you down. I actually said that to me when you complained. COVID is COVID is doing it. I said, oh really? Is COVID's in the satellite? Oh, I wonder how the satellite caught it. It's got nothing to do with reality. They're bringing more and more customers on too, to a certain amount of bandwidth. So using the Bernese techniques just changed a lot of them that are existing during the COVID lockdowns to stay up all night so they can get some speed. You just have to do it. And this is the, you know, society is so corrupt. That's called smart marketing, eh? Smart business. Being corrupt is smart business. Not serving the public by fulfilling the obligations that you're tied into. <laughs> So go to cuttingthroughthematrix.com, send a few bucks my way. PayPal is fine, cash is fine, personal checks is fine. And um, MoneyGram still works too, you know. And hopefully we can get uh, things to take along a bit longer as we go through. The, the biggest change is your lives, folks. This is, this is it. This is something that I was waiting for for years and it would happen. And here it is. It isn't, there's nothing that, that's getting pushed through that they didn't try to get pushed through using climate change, which again was a front for complete sustainability, cutbacks and everything, post-consumerist society. Again, with Agenda 21. Everything is agenda for the 21st century. Every part of it, right down to the abolition of private 
vehicles eventually. You go through the electric phase, but the abolition of vehicles permanent, unless it's for essential vehicles only. It's actually, it's essential again, they're using under COVID, essential vehicles only, which meant really fire, ambulance, and police, you see. Because you won't need it in your smart cities. Eh? You won't need to go anywhere unless you can get on a bike. So that, that means all the, the older folk or folk who've got arthritis, look, well, forget them. You know, they're just written off, you know. They're disposable. You're in a ruthless system. That's what Bertrand Russell said. He's, he was all for it, a scientific tyranny. He knew it would be, a, it would be merciless. He said that, a scientific tyranny. But he's all for it, as opposed to any other kind of tyranny. He said, I hope it will be a, a scientific one. Yeah, he's the Aussie guy. He was famous for calling folk useless eaters. But yeah, we're living through amazing times. So again, send a few bucks my way, and we'll see what we can do. Because this this is to change everything. This is to be the most momentous event. I, I would say more momentous actually with the long term plans. They have to come to be implemented. And the fact that they were planning this before World War One and Two, a lot of them, when you read their books, <laughs> and the proper societies that run the world. But the most momentous thing in, in, in uh, hundreds of years. When you look at the, the World Economic Forum, and again, another organization that we don't get to vote for, and if you accept it at all and you go along with this agenda, you are bowing to fascism. The top corporations and banks on the planet that have their CEOs there. And they don't believe in democracy. They're all for the, the function. They see, this is where you, as you're, as you're getting entertained to death, I used to give talks on being entertained to death years ago. Years and years ago. And how you. Um, you don't know you're being entertained. I mean, you're also being programmed through all the entertainment, but you're being entertained to death. All the thoughts that you could have had for yourself that originated in your own mind and the pathways your mind could have gone down with your own thoughts that would have developed and expanded your horizons and your thinking. And, and it's, so, it's so sad the, you've, you've, those years are gone. You'll never get them back again. But you'll mention all. You remember all the all the series that you watched in dramas, you know, all the way back to the was the Rifleman that in the states, I think, Wells Fargo, you know, the Lone Ranger, and then, and then getting worse and worse up to the up to the different moonshine. Ep- it was those those guys that did the moonshine things. They wore tight tight pants until. I think they could sing soprano, I think. The Dukes of Hazard. The immature silliness of the Dukes of Hazard. You're fed this, what they called entertainment, which has kept you infantile, non-involved. But they had all these different things that addicted the youngsters to watch, you know. Which also programmed them, but it's like La La Your Life Away. That's actually think of La La Your Life Away. That was part of the intention of it. But no, you'll never get years back. And don't forget, you develop as a person through your own thinking. It doesn't mean that everything is original. You'll take information from books and 
whatever you can glean for yourself as you're, if you're on a quest, you might say, interest on something. But just sitting back with your, you know, and people would they'd zonk out in front of television after work, it's understandable. And uh, with the mouths open and eyes just end up getting programmed with mainly nonsense, just, just rubbish. <laughs> that would probably do more harm than good. If you're to even try and copy the fantasies. But that's how you're programmed. But at the same time, it keeps you off the streets. It, it stops you from complaining about your life. And there's no doubt about it. You know, you, at a certain age, all youngsters, they know this. And, and psychodynamics and go through different milestones of development. And, and children and up to adulthood. And they know exactly the years, the time spans where different things happen, certain phases you go through. And it's just it's like clockwork. It just happens, you see. Some cultures are awfully good at managing it so it doesn't destroy the culture as the youth go through these phases. Um, other ones become relaxed, and the ones who become relaxed eventually get destroyed because the culture is weaponized, and they don't know it, neither did the youngsters themselves, who often really think they're doing it all themselves. There is a revolution for this. It's a, it's a music revolution. It's a pop revolution. It's a... It's a cultural revolution. It's a sexual revolution. Uh, they're given the word. Don't just draw, uh, brush off the idea of revolution. It's part. Most revolutions are bloodless, remember, or fairly bloodless, but they're they're meant to alter society. They're planned that way, doesn't it? They don't happen by themselves. A revolution that is always planned, and they're very important. Again, this Gramsci type uh, technique. Uh, that the communists use, the, the front group communism. So it's, uh, and that's, that's the beauty of communism. It, it can take so many different guises or covers or names that folk don't recognize it for, for what it really is behind the, behind the mask. That's why it, it always used front groups in the West, when it was old Soviet type system. At least that was the, how it was given to the public, because it wasn't really Soviet, but it, it was a Soviet type era. Uh, communism that they would push and they had churches and everybody signing on to because they'd often they'd have do good type agendas you see do you believe in it? yeah no, no, do you think that's right or wrong oh, well that's that's not right no sign this and they'd sign on and become a national front for this or that or whatever and and that's how you get the changes made you see and they, they only read the, the propaganda that's dished out to them through handouts or newspapers, uh, the selective purpose-made newspapers every month or so. And uh, you change society bit by bit by bit. Massive uh, warfare programs, really, done under a, a more peaceable, normalistic guise. And that's why you, it, it seems so innocuous and harmless. And that's how they succeed. That's how it sucks. So yeah, you're always going through different parts of revolutions, and they know exactly the age groups to hit the young with, you see, and, and use that energy, that dis- dissatisfaction. Youngsters, we've all been there. You th- you really think, well, I should have been created by something else, but most of us have been there. And you think you think that there's going to be more to it all than this, you know. Because you, you don't realize your metabolism, your, your metabolism itself is, 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 is kind of wired without drugs. And, and you, you, what else can I do today? And, and days are a bit longer, 
you see. You notice that you, when you're younger, your your days are, f- you're fascinated. God, I did all this today when I was seven, you know, and and I went here and went and I climbed this tree and all the rest of it and jumped that over that little burn, that stream, and uh, you, you come back home and you'd done a whole host of things, you know. Um, and and eventually you, you'd have something to eat and you'd conk out in a chair. That was it until the next day. That was a fantastic sleep you took. But you seemed to have days would stretch. If someone had a watch, you say, what time is it? And you swear an hour or two had passed. Only about 15 minutes had passed, you see. Because your mind is so occupied with so much. And as you get older, you've seen all the, all the rotten movies a thousand times. And your life's boring. And you have nothing more to look forward to to an extent. You've seen all the, the cons from, from politics. You've seen the, the corruption in politics, corruption in businesses, corruption in everything. And you're a bit jaded, you see. And so time can, can it seems to go in pretty fast then, because you, you, nothing interests you anymore. For most folk, unfortunately, they lose interest in things. And that's pretty sad. Because it really needn't be that way, if you had a real decent system to live in. But getting back to the to the Irish and the Scots, as an example, you see, they were they were slated for extinction pretty well long ago. At the end of the rebellion in Scotland in seventeen forty five, they they're trying to get to, you know, the Stuarts back on the throne. You see, and so of this uh, Germanic, they call them Germanic line that came into Britain. That the yeah there was a massive genocide on on Highlanders. The memory is still there today. At least it was on, up through the up until uh, I went through there in maybe the seventies, back again in the eighties later on for a couple of years. But it's just going through it and talking to folk and that knew and families in the north and to the west. Uh, the uh, the memories were there a lot of them. And a lot of them had family memories of it too. In other places as well, you had whole whole villages just wiped out, yeah? and they'd burn up the ground under the guise of replacing the people with sheep. That was another thing they did too. This new economy would be not clans anymore. You'd be replaced with sheep, and the lords pretty well all went along with it. These, this feudalistic system of lords has wiped out the clans and the clan chiefs. You see. That's the sadness. You, see, you, you, you sadness is in the, you, you places where there been big battles and and, and horrific uh, slaughters happened, and you find I, I do I sense these things. You can actually go in certain places that you never knew battles took place, and then you feel it, but you just know it, and then you go and check. I'm sure enough, you'd be right enough. Uh, it's almost like a, an, an imprint of something is in the space there. It's there, you know, and the horror of it all too. When they, I think they had an episode of Star Trek many years ago, where again you had lots of your programming for from for for the multicultural societies. The quest went to for, for free trade and across the universe, you know. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, they had one episode where I think it was Spock sensed a ship that, that suddenly just got wiped out, and he felt the, they felt the, 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 the annihilation, the, the, the non-existence, and you know, boof instantly, of all these people who just suddenly gone. And that's pretty well what it's like, too, I think, with horror and genocide and slaughter. These things stick with you, you know. 
But yeah, you get you lovely places and lovely glens and nothing left, no houses left standing, they were burned out. The people in them too were often burned, you know, that was a way of it. Beautiful, um, the first country that brought democracy is this, you know, this Britain idea, this UK idea, and uh, yeah, champion of the peoples. Wolf was there too. Wolf was a, 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 a lieutenant, a lieutenant or a captain, I think, at Culloden on the on the British side, and he did write about it in his memoirs. Uh, again, they, they always admired the bravery of folk who were up. Again, this resolute idea when you're set to go into battle. And and to and take the consequences that was going to hurt. Now, this is death, you know, and you all know it, you know. Just like today, the, the, the forces of dominance over the planet are going to destroy your set and determination. And it's resolute. They're, they won't back down. They'll come hell or high water and total slaughter amongst the people or starvation. They're going to go through with this agenda, folks. But back to Culloden and, and the, the islands and... Um, and the folk literally, uh, today, probably have forgotten most of it, what really did happen. But Wolf himself did talk about that. They did slaughter the wounded on the battlefield. They tossed them in the graves. They were still alive. They went after the families, uh, even neighbor places like neighboring places like Inverness. Anybody who fought in the, found in the battlefield, they would go after, they would track down their families and so on and slaughter them as well. Right across north and east to west. Uh, went on for years. No courts for, for all of that. If they hadn't been so successful in wiping out the memories of all of that, then perhaps you would have had a, had, had a more prosperous and decent real system belonging to those countries like Scotland and Ireland, you know. Not not this pseudo-communistic technocratic system, where literally the and they come, they win their and they're and they're opening their borders. For to, why would you fight for nationalism and your peoples and your histories, and then open your borders to eliminate your people in the country? It's another form of genocide. It is. The UN had to admit that too, by the way. That part of one of the one of the definitions of genocide is 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 the eradication of the, the domestic peoples in their own countries by other lang- using promoting other languages as an example or even forbidding the the, the languages. Well, Gaelic was forbidden for years in Scotland. You know? That goes under genocide too. You couldn't wear tartan. Your your local tribe, clan or area. So we all came from your local area. You couldn't wear it. Or it was an instant, an instant execution, no trial again, execution. If you wore tartan and spoke Gaelic, now once again, the people who run the bank, the Bank of England, and so on, <laughs> they don't waste anything. What is it you hear in the CFR and all these different groups? I can remember when nine eleven happened and. And one of the CFR members came on and said, "How can we use this disaster to our advantage?" When the CFR members, I have it written down who he is too, it's on the tip of my tongue. But um, that's how they, they've always been. They don't see things the way you do. They see everything as an opportunity. And so they forbid the people to speak their own language, the Gaelic, you know. 
is a step to total deculturalization and annihilation, apart from slaughtering them too, and forbid them from wearing their tartans and pain of death. Except, to the young guys, except if if you would sign on to the British army and and get sent off to where Britain's conquering other nations, you could talk Gaelic then and wear your tartans. Never like a good opportunity to go to waste, eh? So, the Wolf mentioned that too, because eventually he took a bunch of them over to Quebec, over to Canada, when they were fighting the French at the time. That's the whole idea. Britain was was fighting to, to control the whole the whole of the Americas, or the North Americas, as they called it at that time. But Wolf uh, mentioned it too. He says that they sent regiment after regiment to hit uh, the heights of, was it the heights of Abram, please Abram? They called that place over there in Quebec, and um, where the French were embedded, you see. And eventually, they they let loose the ones who won the battle. They let loose the Fraser Highlanders. They were the the remnants of the the clan, one of the clans that got slaughtered at uh, Culloden, yeah. and they'd signed up to keep their heritage. And they were promised to be able to send for wives and so on if they fought. And of course, they they, they lied and all that too. <laughs> But he said they went up on. This is like more modern warfare, really. But they still went in to battle with the sword and the shield and the battle axe. You know, you wrote quite a good description of it. And they won. You know, you're awfully useful if you're if you're. And that's all Scotland had since then was this this strange pride worked on tremendously by um, London. Has been, you know, warriors basically use the warriors for their their purpose, but not for Scotland. And personally, you get nothing out of it. But that's that's what young guys would do. be all you can be and be somebody. And they, you know, still to this day, a lot of them still join up to be somebody. And and uh, and this is, this is the age of mercenaries now. You don't really have good, especially since the Cold War ended. You don't really have. Uh, other reasons for going to other countries. Forget all this pretense that you're some kind of modern social worker uh, because you have uh, blue caps on for the UN or NATO. You know, you're going with grenades and, and firearms. You're still a soldier. A peacekeeper, sorry. You can't peacekeeper. You don't go to war. You go to peace. Keep the peace. You don't invade countries. You're going to keep the peace. Double speak, eh? But anyway, yeah, that's that's what happened, as I say to So it's so sad to watch countries that really did, and it's documented genocide, you know, documented, literally end up being initially socialistic because they're in such dire straits. Right after two world wars, a depression, World War One, a depression, and World War Two. And after that, they're just utterly devastated and, and broke. And so you end up with this kind of socialistic kind of system that, that initially seems to work for you. Do get something for you and make sure you can you get something back for all the pain you've endured for centuries. And before you know it, you're, you're dominated by folk who, who have a different idea of democracies. And forget democracy and socialism. It doesn't go together in socialism. It's, a, it's an excuse to dominate and rule efficiently under technocracy, which is just on behalf of those who already own you. Under the modern system, you got to understand, you 
have to have a purpose. Battles, yet battles before, going all the way back, not just to human other ones too, philosophers, and long before that, it was, it was the purpose of people. Right in the World War II, even Germany, they had debates at the time. Are, do we, are, are the people there to serve the corporations and the economy? Or, or is the economy there to serve the people? It's still going on today. It's actually over, according to those who rule you at the moment. You're supposed to serve the corporations. That's why you're supposed to take vaccinations when, you, when the corporations make them. You could take their products, as an example, and do what you're told. You keep getting fewer and fewer choices on everything. And I've said this before, you have these signs and symptoms. It's like disease. There's signs and symptoms of disease. That's how you, you can often identify what's wrong. It's the same thing with society. Signs and symptoms. Eh? And when, when your choices are getting taken away from you, bit by bit, and you'll say, well, it's okay. I don't, I don't care. I'm not driving much now. I don't really need gasoline, you know, petrol. But wait a minute. Your transportation, it brings you your food. The trains that run by diesel and bring you your, your food and, and, and all the goods that you need are all transported with us. So you better start caring. It doesn't matter if you use this thing or not. You, you are using it. You, this is the goods brought to you certainly are using it. Don't you start to get it? So you shouldn't be against something that's vital to your own survival or the survival of others. Then you start saying, oh, you know, and I laugh too, uh, with inflation, this creeping, creeping inflation, they always show you the, co- the cost of, when you're reading old, old books and so on, they'll tell you about, about what a million pounds could buy you in 1900. It's probably about, I don't know, about 100 million today with inflation and devaluation of the dollar and pounds and so on. But, um, but yeah, you, you just think about it. It's incredible what you could get for even a few hundred pounds a hundred years ago. Or you could maybe buy a brand new car for 400 back in the 30s or whatever it was. But the, but the fact is, uh, is the value, and you adapt and you adapt and adapt. So much so, and this is part of the reason the con men do it too, you know, the public are noticing that eventually they'll need like big satchels or sacks in their backs with, for cash because the same things their bank takes more and more and more and more and more money. So you either wear out your pant pockets with coin or they give you paper. That's why that's one of the reasons the paper came out too. is isn't just the fact that there's nothing backing it. Or you wouldn't think, you wouldn't know, you couldn't prove if someone was backing it even when it used to be. But... Uh, but yeah, and when they first brought out, did away with it with a physical pound, like, like or or a sovereign, you know, or a physical one. Then they came out with banknotes. You see it in old Sherlock Holmes movies, and so no, they try to be original to the, to the time periods, and, and you see a pound note or a five pound note. And they'll pull out this big gigantic wallet, you know, that special pockets made for their wallets inside their coats. And and the the pound note was almost a foot a foot long. <laughs> it looked impressive, you see. That was the idea. Well, it's it's not gold or silver, but it's, bah, 
look at that. You know, that's wow. And, and then they got smaller and smaller, even with that. And to, because it, 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 as it gets smaller, it's showing you that the currency is worth less and less and less as well. But even today, if you would go shopping for food for a month, just just the once a month, you need a big fat thick wallet to hold all the all the paper or, or plastic money they're using. The plastic notes they have now carry. So they, they, for most folk, they've taken that away. Well, yeah, it's much simpler just to have digital money and let the companies take it off for you. Completely forgetting that during Great Depressions, in fact, 2007 and eight, the banks can, can freeze your assets, they can freeze your money, they can freeze their bank machines today, and you have nothing left to use. You should always have choices. And the choices are not getting eliminated for your benefit. It's for a, de- a desired outcome. Again, under the Great Reset, it's to be a totally digital, uh, surveilled economy. Yeah. Right down to you. The only, remember, they, they tried, they've even done that to an extent with the yard sales you'd have in the summer. Where you'd, you'd have little balloons and signs, yard sale weekend. They'd even start eliminating the yard sales with inspectors for an underground economy where someone's just selling off some junk maybe once, once a summer. They might get 20 bucks, 30 bucks for the junk, but the government wants us cut off that, you see. It's, you see, you own nothing, even when it's used. <laughs> you own nothing. And crown lands under the, the British system I think the one was four inches of your topsoil, supposedly is yours. Everything below it, if they discover it, is owned by the crown. It's like Egypt. You look at the old declarations from Egypt, that the praises they sung to the gods. The gods were the pharaohs and their families. Eh? Nothing's changed. But they'd have these, these great prayers to them, you know. And they'd say things like, Oh, great sun god, so-and-so. Uh, Amenhotep, the blah blah. No, it was that was a priest, but but they get they pick a pharaoh, and and they they say he's a sun he's a sun god. You see, and he, everything that under the sun, in the air, on the ground, under the ground, in the water is owned is his. Everything is his. You see, and that's good. It's good to be a, have these ambitions to be a king like a pharaoh. Because you, 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 the, the profits are pretty good. The returns are good in your investment if you can call on the people to accept it. But you always, you always make sure, too, you have an awfully good priestly class because the priestly class, really. Um, and, and again, the psychology of the priestly class in Egypt is fantastic when you look at the different sects that they was authorized. You see, you run once for women, to make sure they're on board with you. You know, and because uh, you're going to have groups that feel your pain. Yeah? And then you'd have the ones, you'd even have priests, men priests, that would be the priests of Isis, you see. And they'd castrate themselves. And then you, you so you had all kinds of priests uh, that, that, that served different functions in society. They stood for certain things, in, like, like even the animal kingdom, the ones that would have powers over this and powers over that. They had magicians too, right? And you, you find some of them talked about the magicians, the name certain ones, and... Um, and Imhotep, that they used in the movie, uh, The Mummy, I think, was, was actually was a real one, a real character, a real 
well-respected one because they, they had a, a temple for him and the, the stairs were worn right down, so it was well, well frequented. So he was definitely uh, the go-to priest, obviously, even after death, uh, for favors in certain aspects that you were offered that you wanted to happen. So important stuff like that. So you, yeah, you, 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 the psychology is quite fascinating. How you keep people obeying and accepting the system there. It really is fascinating. Right down to the descriptions of disaster. Because, don't forget, we live in an, an age and an era where most things are visual for people. Unfortunately so. They don't read so much. They can't get into a book and get into the world where that, that book has such relevance to them for the rest of their lives. They buy picturing things and your mind does expand when you are again back, getting back to Shakespearean plays. You're participating in the drama, you see, and you might see something different in your mind, slightly different from a person next to you, and that's the beauty of the variations, the varieties uh, of of the takes on any particular given products of entertainment by them, the offerings, as I say. So you, but you, you got to realize we're jaded, very much jaded, right down to the youngsters. They, they want sci-fi, they, they, the old sci-fi movies with monsters in them, like prehistoric monsters. Were they were it was a profession, it was a trade, making those little monsters, and they made them out of different things, like pla- kind of plastic scenes. But they had to make the arms move a little bit, a little bit, and a little bit, like a frame by frame thing. A lot of work in them. And some of them were really, really well done. And that's all gone because of uh, the, the computerization of things today. It's all done computer pretty well. But it's a shame in a sense. But before that, too, he didn't have it. He only had descriptions by good storytellers. The Greeks were good at storytelling, of course, good orators. So you you ended up with, with uh, where you, you read descriptions of horrors happening in Egypt. And they had horrors when, again, when Pharaohs died, as an example, or members of their family. But but horrors too with droughts. When the droughts happened and the, the rains didn't come all the way from Uganda, the mountains of Uganda, down the Nile, eh? then horrible things happened. And they had fantastic storage facilities underground for reservoirs and so on. They were not dumb people, believe you me. And they also had the occasional invasion. Now, don't forget, too, they had an empire, so they did a lot of invading themselves. But when they had terrible invasions, they recorded everything. That, that, that's one good thing about them. They recorded so much. Literally written in stone, much like the COVID agenda. You know, nothing's going to change it. And you... You, 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 for instance, when the Habru came in the, the, and the Sea Peoples, the invasion that came in Egypt at one point, and it spe- this means speculators that they were driven in again through a, 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 a famine time caused by droughts and so on, because the climate is always changing, right? It was changing before there were humans on the planet. But anyway, there's one scene where this enemy, they were, and they hated these particular invaders that came in. They're the cruelest, most evil people ever. They were, they were not. They didn't go by any any 
honor, decency code or anything like that to the people that were conquering the Egyptians. And some of the, the overseers in Egypt, one of the main ones, in fact, said that uh, they tortured and then killed his sons in front of him for delight. They also cut off the arms of the people and, and put them on in carriages and, and towed them around the city to terrify the people. A war of terror, they understood terror, eh? But hearing them des describe it, they talked about th things which really was a dramatic way at the time of getting a, 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 a tremendous pain across, a point across of, of horror and pain and loss, uh, where they say that the sky was falling. They're talking about you personally, when your whole world was falling apart. And your family was dying, so so the stars, like the stars falling out of the sky, the the trembling of everything, something you would imagine when you, because your whole world is getting shattered. That's what they're telling you. And these are the descriptions that they use. It's it's really impressive to me how they put it across. They're describing the same kind of thing. The families, for instance, in Scotland, they were getting genocided indeed. We're experiencing towards the, everything's coming. You can't, your whole lineage is coming to an end. Along with everybody you know. And you're waiting for God to intervene, it's not happening. This, this is like the, the, the scream of death, the final one, you know. And the Egyptians portrayed it awfully well in their memoirs with the individual families of what happened, you know. And the ground was trembling and, you know. Stars are shaking in the sky and everyone's falling. Because they should be, you understand? They should be, so uh, it should be. It's the same thing I've often thought about with, um, I don't know how I got on this subject at all, but I was thinking about when people die in your own, in your life, you see, and our pets die. You know? How many have you had an animal, a cat or a dog, and and had to go to the vets, and it dies, and, and and next thing you know, you're walking the street or whatever, and you've had a tremendous, you've got that loss there. Death is a loss, you know. Be it a person or a, or a pet or whatever, tremendous loss. But if you go out there, people are just the same. But inside you're feeling that same thing as the ancient Egyptians. The sky is falling, everything's shattered, because it's in you. You see, but everybody around you is continuing in a way uh, that perhaps you think to yourself, this shouldn't be, you're trying to explain, it shouldn't be, something so important should stop the world for a little while, shouldn't it? That's what you think, that's what you feel. And people are nice enough, and but they're, again, it's, everyone's impartial with them. They serve you or you buy something or whatever else, but... You can't share your grief amongst them, and you wonder why the normalcy is still continuing. You see. This is why you can never let these things be dismissed and be allow yourselves to be ruled by people who want us to be run like machines and, and technocracy. Where they're training you now that they want to put you down. Oh, sorry, it's, it's assisted suicide or euthanasia. 
if you become sick, you see, or a burden to society. Don't you feel guilty at being a burden to society? You're seeing that in the COVID thing. The bioethics groups are already out there. I put out their PDFs from the Rockefeller Foundation as they're advising the governments on how to cope with this, right down to bioethics, who should get medicines and who should not. Who's worth saving and who's not worth saving? Who's essential and who's not? And they want you all to accept it under this con of a massive deadly plague. They never stop, do they? And they can't stop now. Because evil and tyranny become far, far worse the closer they become to be discovered as to who they are and what they are and what they're doing. They have no option now but to go all the way and be ferocious about it because you would have to eventually go after them and arrest them for the worst crimes against humanity with the WEF and the Club of Rome and all the other groups involved that we don't elect that have decided that they have the right to run our lives and that we exist in their system on their sufferance as long as we've got a purpose that they need us for individually. <laughs> well, I, I wasn't at that. Were you at that meeting? Did you sign away all your own ability to think and do for yourself and let them rule your lives for you or take it away for that matter? No. So, yep, you better start to understand what's going on here. The biggest evil event planned to be a worldwide war type scenario. Two years to plan. It took years to set up the right people across the board in politics and civil service as so-called ministers of health and put them in the right place at the right time, all completely on board. They knew they would be. I'm sure they'll be well rewarded, all of them, for it. Two years to plan all this. But this also tells you, you see, the system that you were getting entertained with that kept you in La La Land, that gave you all of this, was already operating when you were in La La Land <laughs> and keeping you kind of uh, compliant back then. And I suppose I'm talking about all of this tonight because um, I don't really plan these talks. But during the day, I noticed that Sean Connery was dead, eh? 90 years old. And... That was the whole idea. It was James Bond movies, you see. James Bond and the, the, the waning British Empire that, of course, was relived again as long as James Bond was going across the world, sorting all out, eh? And um, doing amazing things and always fighting and shooting and stuff like that. Completely different from general intelligence work, which is pretty boring for most folk. But uh, it gave excitement to, to a lot of people's lives and so on, that idea of it, of uh, a Bond-type character. Uh, and, of course, with, with this little benefits, like all these women, they just went gaga and threw themselves at him. Wherever you went, eh? Immediately as well, immediately. Just astonishing, that. And and then you had all the good songs they put into, like like Shirley Bassey, right? Shirley Bassey, we used to call her Burley Chassis children, eh? And uh, she would do these, you know, uh, little movements and 
she sung, and she belted out this song while Peter Long was Woof, she belted out these songs. And uh, they were well suited to the movie. That was part of its enchantment. But ordinary folk at the time, it was pretty miserable when the movies came out for most folk with all the power cuts, that power cuts in Britain. And they had, uh, again, back to austerity, hey? all the debts to pay and from the world wars and stuff. And, and so they, they let the working classes have a bit of escapism and they would see places on the screen. And, they, and it was a big screen, remember, uh, that they couldn't imagine ever going to. Hmm? And exotic places and having a great old time to themselves. And of course, it all happened inside a movie house. So yeah, James Bond started off as, it says, as a bricklayer in, in Scotland. Tried the Navy when he was young and got discharged after a few years because of an ulcer and things like that. And he worked at different things. He, he was into the bodybuilding. He went into some of the competitions. I think he was picked up by, or spotted by, um, I think something says Mae West or something like that, one of these actresses, old actresses, who put, put him forward for tests and for movies and stuff. And that's how he got into it. So good for him, you know, because very few folk had that kind of chance to get out of the ruts, as they say, during the, in those particular days. And he did okay for himself, that's for sure. So he represented an era, a big long era, right? And during the same era, the, the, again, the cultural wars and revolution that was going on. And that also was part of the sexual revolution, by the way, you know. For those who don't know it, and everybody enjoyed watching all these movies. And the gadgetry they had as well was awfully impressive for youngsters. Oh my, look at that, that little helicopter just comes out of a couple of boxes and you put it together and away you go. Awfully. So really you had a bit of everything for everybody, really. But and then the music scene also gave you uh, the so-called British invasion of music into America. And it really wasn't just spontaneous. It wasn't like the Beatles, the four last from Liverpool idea. They were a, a package, a created package by the big industry, the machinery that creates it all. And a uh, massive studio to put into fantastic um, equipment right at the birth, really, of stereo. And there was even arguments at the top, well, not arguments, little snide comments from Mick Jagger at one point about oh, stereo would never take off because the Beatles were putting their stuff out in stereo by Martin who was doing all the mixing and stuff from with advanced equipment and uh, but it was a, they were a product the Beatles uh, the, the culmination of a massive enterprise really and they gave you and they, that's what was presented to the young as though that that's the future is an upbeat kind of thing even though your life was could be pretty miserable if you were, you were if you were poor most youngsters were, were working class people who never really saw themselves or didn't know if they'd ever even get a job if they left school. You know? A lot of them were trained. I always said that the British class, working classes were trained to be working classes. They weren't, they, weren't, uh, they weren't given anything at school to make them think they could go into business for themselves back in those days. And Britain did depend at that time on a big working class, and then it had fallen apart after World War II, obviously. And right through the 60s, this hadn't caught up with uh, replacing work with anything. In the 70s, they were deindustrializing and sending their businesses up across the, the waters to the Far East. 
and that accelerated and accelerated up until they did the free trade deal with China, and then we all sent our business over to China, and we paid for it thanks to the same politicians and their families that are locking you down to COVID now. <laughs> yeah, but vote them in again, eh? Vote in, do great. If you just vote them in again. As, and then they'll finish you off completely. But, but you know, you never really, you never really had a, 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 I don't think it's a generation, I've said this, especially in Britain, I don't think it's been a generation that had peace from war or the threat of war or bankruptcies and bank collapses. They don't give you peace in a single generation. You don't. They really don't. And uh, they keep you on your toes all the time. That's part of, of controlling folk. It makes them obey you more when they think when they're terrified of some disaster happening or war or whatever. So there's always, the government says we're always here to help you. That's the idea. So World War One changed society. All signs, like Quigley said, and other professors have said that too. That it's not meant just. And it's great to see how they were even worth it. It's not meant just to conquer an enemy. You see. It's also meant to change the cultures and all participating sides. So everybody ends up changed, you see, from war. It's planned change. Someone else benefits from it. It's planned that way, too, and directed. It's like all cultural changes. People are going to profit from it, and they do that. They've planned it in advance who will get it and who'll be, who's, who's wise enough to, to know that's what you're supposed to do. Most of the folk going through it never, it never dawns on them. The folk make money off their misery, but that's a good part of the system in which we live. Misery is awfully profitable, fear especially. Eh? But the money has been tossed around since COVID. This COVID thing, you know, was unleashed on the public. Trillions. They had some. Some sort of. This is a year hasn't passed yet. Remember, trillions of dollars, trillions of pounds. And they're still tossing it out there for the, for the hands that are there to grab it, all these big corporate boys, you know, and gals. Grabbing it all. Snapping it up to make new devices to monitor you and snap up. Even Sudbury in Ontario here, no, I heard on the radio yesterday, they were awarded some massive funding for very advanced policing and, and high-tech equipment. So... I thought this is your 5G. Com- this is all part of the, the complete, the global reset. The reset is to, to reset what you do, what your function is, what your purpose in life is to be, who will decide it, how, if you're going to live or die, where you're going to work it, where you're going to live, where you're going to eat or not eat, how much energy will be allocated to you, will they write you off if you get sick, are you, are you essential or not. This is your complete technocratic society, folks. And every part of it, where multi-billionaires are created with their hands out, they, well, I've, I've got a better idea. I could, I could make this gadget, you know, to implant in them or, or stick it in their skin or clamp it on their earlobe or whatever and make money off of you. They get so many prostitutes of your own people just sell you right out for greed. Eh? And that's why people used to look to the American system, which on paper was was fantastic. Always is on paper. It's fantastic, isn't it? 
even the communists, their constitution in the communist countries, it was awfully nice. Same with even the UN school one, you know. But it's never implemented in reality. But the American constitution was the first one in history where they put down for the rights of the people. Everybody, yeah. No, it was, they were all shafted rather quickly by lawyers, of course, who could, well, you have to, could interpret this. And there's big money here in misery again, and, and no matter what kind of court case comes in, you know, and even though they have, in fact, we can make money off the fact they've got so many rights because we can drag anything out for years until they're bankrupt. Yeah? And lawyers never go bankrupt themselves. It was never meant to be like that. It was, the Constitution was supposed to be straightforward, a, straight, a straightforward Constitution and a straightforward Bill of Rights that would not get overloaded with all these amendments. The thing that George Orwell puts in Animal Farm, eh? the amendments, that the pigs drafted up the, the Constitution and the rules and then started to change it by a mere little amendments, by putting a word on the end of a line here and there or taking off. <laughs> That's how it's done, eh? You know. It's like the people well, shall have property and right to property, unless, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And government will never be take anything off them, unless, you see, all these little things that change as, as psychopaths move in. And the people are entertained and they, they lose interest in watching perpetual vigilance. This is, but the whole world watched the U.S. for the fact is the fact that if they, if they were sticking to the rights that they had, they would never go to such an awful state of being ruled and oppressed and exploited as they did in, in the rest of Europe by psychopaths. And so it was a light. It was a light. You know, for a long time it was a light to the world that you had rights actually written down. And then you end up with George Bush Jr. Eh? Who said, when he started, well, come on about the, the Patriot and all that and take on your rights. So, it's, it's, it's just a piece of paper, the Constitution. That's what he said. Twice he said that. It's just a piece of paper. Yeah. And he's right, though. It's just a piece of paper unless you, you back it up. And you give it all the way through fear and terror. Oh, my God, so the terrorists are going to blow up more towers. No, they're not. <laughs> And even if they blew up a couple, if there were terrorists that blew up a couple that really were foreign, right? Even if there were, is that the re- right reason for making a global war on it and locking the whole planet down under the guise of anti-terrorism and having no rights and freedoms and privacies and all the things that we fought for centuries to get? Privacy was one of them. And security in your own home. Here, they want you to know everything you're looking at. Before 9-11 happened, by the way, the CIA set up offices in Canada. And along with the FBI. In preparation for 9-11 coming down the pike. And it broke out in the papers in Canada. Not just about the phones, 1995, as me put that story out there. And it was Grattan that came out, I think it was in Toronto Sun initially, or it was in Sun, yeah, I think it was the Sun. They said they'll bug our phones to, to please Uncle Sam when they passed the law for telecommunications devices to have back doors, including just phones or fax machines, or and then this eye with photocopiers with unique ID and uh, invisible ID, uh, I think they printed on every page. 
all in advance of 9-11, you see. Along with the massive omnibus train bill that came out in Canada in 1998 with Alan Rock. Then he went off to work at the United Nations. A complete, you know, anti-terrorism bill, that's what it was. Nothing had happened. I've mentioned this before. And the black outfits and combat boots and and uh, combat pants for the, for, the, for the call all changed in preparation for England coming along. And for losing your rights and freedoms and yada, yada, yada. And Canada had signed an agreement with the U.S. for this, this backdoor into all the communications devices. Nothing asked. The people weren't asked, do you mind? You know? They didn't, you didn't even have the, 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 the excuse, any excuse for terrorism happening to, make, to, to go along, but they did it anyway. See, that's when you're supposed to stand up for yourselves as they take it out, start taking it away from you. Most folk under terror don't think to stop and say, yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> or they'll say, it's emergency powers, it's a wartime act, you don't have any rights to be told. But folk fought for centuries to get privacy. Centuries. At one time, the census, and this is what it's supposed to be, the census, then every 10 years or whatever it is, it's supposed to ask how many folk live in this household. That's it. Num- how about number? That was it. By law. Now, they not only know they know how much money you got, they know what you work at, you know what your bank savings are, they know everything about you, never mind all the electronic surveillance already there too. But I, I did the talks years ago, when from all the information they gather on us, it's like a, we're farmed, as I say. They project the budgets and expenditures for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years, your lifetime, how much money they'll be they expect to tax off of you if you remain fairly healthy and so on. According to your IQ level, what kind of work you might get into, and blah, 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 blah. I'm not kidding you. And you think you're free? Mm-hmm. Sad, sad, sad. And that's why you're supposed to stand up for yourself, for your rights and freedoms all the time. Or you end up in hell. And it's always deceptive. Oh, it's, it's to save the country, it's to save the world, it's to save the planet, it's to save, save, save. Always another excuse. But the bottom line is, you know, with COVID, it's the great reset. No more democracy once it's all done. You won't even remember what democracy is supposed, supposed to be. Not that you've known it, but what it's supposed to be. You won't know it. They'll give you a, an ersatz kind of a fake type democracy. That's what you've had for a long time. Which is really the the Soviet system. See the Soviet system was called the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. And Soviet means ruled by councils. That was the idea. So every every segment of society or even not not just workplaces and so on or or work types like welders and plumbers, you would have a Soviet, someone who would speak on your behalf. Then it went into women's groups and this group and that group. That's what Soviet. Well, that's what they've given you, folks. You still think it's democracy. No, it's not democracy. Well, I've got people who stand up for this group and that group and, and even incomers and minority groups and so on. That's the Soviet system. And that the ones who lead it are all bought and paid for and put there by the, by the, the system itself. You, see, you understand how it works? 
So each little Soviet group leader or NGO leader, put it that way too, that's good enough as well, because they, they're involved in it too. Go forward and say, on behalf of the people of the blah, 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 you know, with, with the left with the left foot, big toe, long toenail group, huh, as opposed to the right toenail group is long, we demand, and the government says, well, it's such a coincidence, that, that's a reasonable request. And they'll put it in the books and pass it in your law. And that's how it's done, you see. The governments are just so happy to wait for you coming with the, with the demands which they're waiting to hear. You know. Otherwise, nothing else gets done for anybody else. I've said before, you get belong to some special rights group eventually in the coming new type of democracy to get any benefit at all from it. No one's going to stand up for you as an individual, you see. That's what they've done. They've given you the science, this new type of democracy. Under the old kind of democracy, the individuals all had rights. <laughs> Everybody had rights. Not now. You belong to a group to have any rights at all. The individual is totally disregarded. It's completely reversed. Democracy, you, they used to define it as, as the rule on behalf of the majority. Not by the majority, but on behalf of the majority. You see? With special... Um, attention given to minority groups. Now it's a reversed. It's a complete reversal. <laughs> so there you go. Folk don't even know the changes when they're, they're living through them. They don't know. Especially when they're worried and they have to go off and work or scrape a living. Or they're locked down under the COVID idea. But that's what I've decided. You see that you're supposed to exist for a purpose. And the purpose is to serve not just the economy, whoever what's left of it, but if if your masters actually even need you or not, that's that's what's about. Well, you're surplus. You're you're non-essential, and you're starting to accept that. And then they've got these the, the, like in all ages, the cops get turned on the public. Same with the troops eventually, unfortunately. Really sad, isn't it? And police services now are police forces. You've noticed the change that happened over the years. I gave these talks again years and years ago. Forces force, eh? I have said before, too, that really is the reason that you had so many vocal groups back in the 1990s in the States come out and form. That The U.S. used to have tremendous ability amongst the citizenry to form groups to oppose what they saw as tyranny coming down the pike. And uh, that's one thing most countries didn't have, was that ability to, to even be vigilant. So the U.S. Were, were, were vigilant about that, property rights, and the rights not to be harassed in their own homes, etc., by authorities, and all these kind of different things, or even have their homes taken from them by arbitrary powers of confiscation. That's why so many militia groups formed in the late 90s, seeing all these different changes. I mentioned it before, it wasn't just Waco and different things were happening, but seeing the, the, the transformation of the authorities and the powers the authorities were using uh, over the public, which become more and more militaristic. Therefore, the, they were definitely scheduled to, to be changed or eliminated. You must, and the government's done, been awfully successful at targeting groups they saw as potentially, they call them subversive, but really they were trying to keep the law. 
if you're, you're holding on to their, their constitution, their bill of rights. Well, that was, the message was like, you don't have that anymore, do you? That was the message the authorities were giving you. Before we're getting awfully edgy with the rules we're getting rammed through, it's like crazy. And in Canada, even with that omnibus crime bill of Alan Rocks, at least some reporters back then, when they could actually ask serious questions, they'd say, well, what else going? This is, a, this is a, a martial law kind of plan for indefinite detention that you would have under warfare. That No, there was no war on the go at the time. It's, the public didn't know it was a war on them. That's what it was. It was coming down the pike. Everything was getting changed for it in preparation for a, a different kind of system. The, the the great reset of the of the of the WF is is just a faster way to bring it all in quickly, but they're already bringing parts of it in. As I say, even that ridiculous remaking of police forces as militarized battalions with the combat gear and black combat gear, right? which was the outfits for special forces before that. That's what they wore. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you can't hang on to your rights, you do lose them. Because there's lots of very successful psychopaths. And once again, when, when, they, when they combine together successful psychopaths, they're tremendously formidable. And they don't give up easily. They don't walk off and say, okay, we've been, we've been wrong. We give up and away they go. It doesn't happen like that. So, so here you are, you know, the Great Reset. A whole new way of existing. I won't say living, because it won't be living as such. It's to be total austerity eventually. You're watching under that guise of COVID, every healthy person, first time in history, being locked down. First time in history with no bombs dropping, no threats of invasion. You, you have the entire economy abolished with a stroke. Boomph. Not by a prolonged warfare, but instantly, boomf. And no economy, guess what happens? Eventually starvation sets in. The same guys that brought you all this brought you communism a long time ago. As I was mentioning before, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, the Lord Alfred Milner Group studied the American system. The first great experiment. Could individuals really accept and, and appreciate having individual liberties? And would they be successful or would they end up in such chaos? They should, they'd have to be ruled by authority, authoritarians, you see. And along comes the second great experiment, which they helped fund too, by the way. The Soviets, the Bolshevik Soviet system. To see if the authoritarian technique of specialist running it all would be more efficient and would the folk accept it. See? And now you're, you're into the new combination of, of where it's really both of them mixed together, exactly like the, like the Rees Commission talked about. Blending the two systems together, using foundations and subverting the culture, society and everything else, and using education by the big foundations there. And here it all is. A whole new way of living, eh? That your betters, the ones who've decided that they're the natural rulers because they've, they already rule all the things that you need, they own all, to exist from food to everything, you know? And your function is to serve them. 
and they might keep you alive if they need you. For as long as they need you, you see. And you should be grateful for that. They're saving your lives, you know, from COVID by crashing the world's economy, by pre-planning it all, by writing all the bioethics uh, scenarios and how to manage folk, that who's essential, who's not, who should get medication, and who shall get food or not. You're starting to get a picture. This is absolute tyranny. And the climate change group is the same bunch, same bunch that gave you all that. That's the WEF. I've decided this is the only way to ram it through quickly. They're fed up sitting, waiting for you to give up all your rights. They're fed up with it. Your, your lords and masters are fed up with it. So they've decided for you. And this is the excuse for all. Massive propaganda warfare programs, massive subversion of society and subversion of your rights, the elimination of your rights, targeting folk who are complaining about it. And eventually they'll be arresting folk who complain because you might be a social influencer. Facts, it doesn't matter if it's the truth you're to give. That's got nothing to do with it. Facts don't matter when the establishment is at war with you. <laughs> yeah. You have the, the greatest tyrants in history with the greatest technologies at their disposal trying to just subvert and destroy everything that you've known and everything that's yours, including your future. All of you, across the world. Because they're fed up waiting for you to give it all up yourselves. Slaves, slaves, I'm telling you, you just can't get good help these days, eh? So there you have, uh, say, the James Bond character, eh? Sean Connery, dead at 90, uh, did well for himself. And the same year, too, you had, I think, two other members of the, the movies, to, of the Bond movies. I think it was um, Honor Blackman died earlier in the year. And then you had uh, another one, another woman who was in Avengers as well, supposed to die, and a rig died as well. What's going on here? There's nothing left to look back to, and even though it was all fiction, and, and it was all gone, eh, down the tubes. And you have, to, you have to ask yourself what's left there, you know. And to my mind, the new Bond is, is, is just like a, a cartoon character of uh, on steroids, you know. He doesn't use his head. He, he runs after cars like a sprinter. And you got this little wimp of a guy with a computer, a young fella, Q, who, who's the new Q, eh? Oh, it's just not the same at all, is it? Eh? So there you go. It's, it's just died off. But again, getting back to Scotland. And a country that definitely has had genocide on a large scale. Managed by a, a, a fake SNP party, Scottish Nationalist Party, that really is this international socialist, which means borderless, means which means the end of you, the Scotland. That's the intention of it. And they're going through the hate laws, eh? These hate laws. Um, and they've brought, uh, I think it's Alastair Campbell, who's a, a judge. He's also a lord, like a Brackadale or something. They gave him some sort of title. Or Brackadale, yeah. Alistair Campbell. I would never call him a, any man lord anyway. And uh, I'm not into the feudal system at all. But 
supposedly uh, it's uh, it's got some of the, some of the comedians up in on, on arms against it because again you can't have a joke about anything even amongst yourselves about yourselves anymore if someone gets offended by it this is this is their this is a straight jacket you're all getting put into and once you can't think for yourselves or speak for yourselves on different topics they keep adding in until eventually you're in the orwellian system of 1984 that's its intentions folks it's Psychological. There are teams of specialists dreaming this stuff up and working on it. Teams and teams of them. And it's interesting to even notice that they're using kind of Scotland in, as a, a kind of test base for it because they've been so beaten down. When they could quite simply rise up again and say, "Hey, we, we demand all our rights. We're taking them all back because we are victims of genocide." That's how you got to start, folks. That's we. Don't argue the nonsense bills. Just state the facts, folks, and they have to back off and become subservient to you. Do you understand? So anyway, this is uh, this is controversy continues over hate crime bill in Scotland, and amid a contentious debate in Scotland over a proposed hate crimes law, which the Catholic bishops of the country oppose. Everybody else does too. A cabinet minister this week suggested that a law could apply to speech uttered within a private dwelling if the speaker intends to stir up hatred. Well, again, who's going to decide that? There are Alexa, all these different silly things are buying that's listening to them. I guess that's what they mean. How else are they going to know when someone's just letting off steam? Everybody lets off steam about something. And it's the Scottish Parliament... uh, introduced a hate crime and public order Scotland bill in April 23 in response to an independent review, it says, <laughs> of hate crimes uh, laws led by Alastair Campbell, and again they, they call him Lord Brackadale, a retired judge. The government argues that the bill modernises, consolidates and extends existing hate crime legislation. It also abolishes the offence of blasphemy. So it says, during an October 27th hearing, a Scottish Parliament member uh, questioned Justice Secretary, I, guess it was, I think it was Humza Yasov, who put forward the bill, about where the bill might include a defence for speech uttered in the privacy of one's home, a so-called dwelling defence. That's what it used to be called. You can see what you want in your own house. This is my concern with the dwelling defence as a parliament. And even as a society, are we comfortable with giving a defense in law to somebody whose behavior is threatening or abusive? As an example, that is intentionally stirring up hatred against Muslims. Are we saying that that is justified because it is in the home? Yusuf replied. Are we saying that as a society, we're comfortable with no criminal sanctions being applied to people because that has been done in the confines of their dwelling? Whereas if they stepped out in the street outside the house, then that would be a criminal offence. I'm just not convinced as a point of policy or principle that is one that I agree with, but I will continue to keep an open mind. They're going that way. That was for the whole idea with the, with the appointment a while back as, as a trial under Gerfeck of appointing a state-appointed kind of guardian kind of person uh, to come into the homes of every, every family that had a child to monitor the, the child's progress. It was to do with what the child was thinking and speaking about, by the way. Ah, you know, you know something, Scotland, you know, you got to stand up for yourself. You really do. 
You really do. It's sad again, but that's all it says. It's Scotland is now, it's sadness. It really is sadness. For what's happened for centuries, actually. And they've been demolished right now. <laughs> and with this uh, technique of using a, a communistic type of government, this international socialism, what part of international socialism don't you get? What do you think an internationalist body sworn to internationalism, sworn to a borderless world, is going to give you as a nation? Except what you're getting. Mm. I tell you. <laughs> That's quite something. Quite something. So this goes on and on. I put two or three articles up about that for anybody that cares to even read it, because it's uh, it's sad, isn't it? That you you're watching a, a completely organised movement to destroy that puts left off the fabric of a nation, and, that, and it is deliberate. It's all deliberate, folks. Of course it is. <laughs> so you can't even think something. Never mind say it. Even if, if you're even making an inquiry, even a child asking a question, it's now illegal to ask that question. Yep. We are the straw men, eh? And you'll go out with a whimper, not with a bang. Is that the way of it? Mm-mm-mm. Total war on the people. And they just go along with it and go, oh, well, what can you do? Well, you know, they allowed us to speak Gaelic again. They've even opened up some schools to speak Gaelic again. Oh. <laughs> uh, gives you the, the feeling of being provincial a little bit, doesn't it? Eh? Mm-hmm. Quite amazing. You see, all these laws are one-way laws. And who's going to try the people? It won't be their own people. It won't be their own people on anything, you see. What happened to this whole idea? You don't want to be tried in law by your own peer group. That's your own nationality, your own people, your ethnic group, religious group, etc. Cultural group that you grew up with, that's, that's what can try you. Because you've got to accept all the, the cultural system, uh, the parts of the cultural system that you grew up with. That's why you have to have your own people. That's why, that's why the nobility can't be tried by anybody else except their own peer group. And when you're not getting your peer group, when you're getting folk, you might hate you to try you. That's going to end up in... That's what it's meant to do and cause more dissensions, which, are, which will cause hatred, obviously. This is what it's all about. And so, the, as I say, you, you've got different people coming out and speaking out about it and how bad it is, etc. Because it's, it's, I see it as pure hate on the people. You don't need these laws. There are already plenty of laws on the books. You don't need these laws. I know, yeah. Yeah. They force folk to change what they think. Yeah? No, that's not freedom. That's not freedom, eh? That's not William Wallace, is it? <laughs> Here's an article here. It says, the WHO, the WHO, taps anti-conspiracy crusader to sway public opinion on COVID vaccine. You have no idea the massive ongoing war in a thousand areas with, with neuroscientists and behaviorists and psychologists all working in teams and behavioral insights to, to change your opinions on everything. Huh? 
Is that freedom? Is it? Your tax money's been given to these characters. So they can change your mind in a whole bunch of different areas. So the World Health Organization that takes massive funding from Bill Gates taps anti-conspiracy crusader, right? To sway public opinion, COVID-19. And who's who's, who's who's the crusader? Who do we need, right? It says the efforts to encourage public acceptance of COVID-19 vaccine. Children's Health Defense has learned. So Dr. Tedros uh, Gebreyesus, Jesus, <laughs> the, the WHO's general director, tweeted that he was glad to speak with, by, I don't really give him the deltership for you, I was a doctor before, was glad to speak with the organization's technical advisory group, TAG. That's the T-A-G, they call it. They call these little acronyms for everything, eh? TAG. I thought you used to get all things in your skin, you just burned them off. But it says, on behavioral insights and sciences for health. These are the behavioral insights teams that prompt you and how you think proper thoughts to understand on the internet. And to discuss vaccine acceptance and uptake, is the, the term they want to use now, in the context of COVID-19, before they come out with the vaccine, they try to brainwash you all to get ready to take it. In his next tweet, uh, Gabriel Jesus announced that, that Cass Sunstein member, the Nudge book, I used to talk about years ago, Nudge, how you nudge folk into thinking the right things and behaving the right way and changing their minds the right direction and so on. Cass Sunstein, that... that Oink, oink, eh? Founder and, and director of the Program on Behavioral Economics and Policy, uh, Public Policy at Harvard Law School will chair the advisory group which was created in July. Remember, Barack Obama put him in too uh, as head of the Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs where he was responsible for overseeing policies relating to information quality, meaning the right information, you know, the right opinions and so on. Don't you get a bit ticked off about these folk all getting... Don't you have a right to see where your tax money goes? Why are you paying to be brainwashed by these characters on behalf of big corporations? So in a 2008, uh, Sunstein wrote a paper proposing the government's employ teams of covert agents to cognitively infiltrate online distant groups. Well, that's all been done. I did the talks at the time on it, folks. Lots of talks on this character here. Online distant groups and websites which advocate false conspiracy theories about the government. The government's never been involved in any conspiracies. It's just coincidences all the time. It's a coincidence, in fact, they've hired Sunstein to, to brainwash you. Sorry, rectify your thoughts. This is in the paper Sunstein and his co-authors wrote, her principal claim here involves the potential value of cognitive infiltration of extremist groups designed to introduce informational diversity into such groups and to expose indefensible conspiracy theories as such. Well, if you notice, they haven't given you any facts at all that stay stable for more than a week from the authorities. eh? So bring on the heavy brainwashers here, the ones who are paid millions. That's what your salary will probably be here. To brainwash you into accepting 
Big Pharma's untested vaccinations. Not just any vaccine, but type, brand new type, RNA type vaccinations. Hmm. The government made operations described in Sunstein's paper would work to increase faith in government policy. So in other words, don't just churn out facts which were our understanding. Our, they can be disputed, you see. They won't churn out facts. That's what they should do. Why would you need characters to brainwash you, your opinions? And to find ways to censor you? If they just churned out the facts here. Hmm? This is what you turn to when you've got nothing to stand for or stand on. No facts to stand on except nonsense. So the policy makes it says, it says um, the work to increase faith in government policy. That's the last place I would look for faith in, in is government and, and policymakers and undermine the credibility of conspiracists who question their motives. They would also maintain a, a vigorous counter-misinformation establishment to counter conspiracy groups opposed to government policies that aim to protect the common good. You see? See, the, the, these ones that Sunstein works for in the government, they all are there to protect the common good, for goodness sake, not to slaughter the economies on behalf of the World Economic Forum's Great Reset, the Global Reset. No, no, which is Agenda 21. Huh? By destroying the economy of the planet into poverty and rationing in a managed system for now until the end of time. I'm not kidding about that. <laughs> If it was all on the up and up and they could verify it and they put it out there, you wouldn't need these characters to come out and try to brainwash you. You wouldn't need them at all. Truth would stand for itself. The public would understand the truth, wouldn't they? Some of this would be accomplished by sending undercover agents or government-paid third parties into online social networks or even real space groups. They've been doing this for years, folks. He was doing this in 2008. I did the talks too in the last few years on the behavioral insights teams. They're already been working. They prompt you, not, don't look at this on the internet, look at this, you know, etc. I, I did the, the, <laughs> the 77 Brigade in Britain, a part of the Department of Defense. Thousands of them employed to do this kind of stuff and attack you. Your government is attacking you. For having a different opinion on things And not doing what you're told You little child you I thought we were adults No, we're children again you see, That's how that's how elitists see you You're just children Children should do what you're told You're naughty you see. So government paid third parties into online social networks. That's all been done. Sunstein also, Canada's got them too. We've got all groups of them doing it too, paid by the government or tax money. Sunstein also advocated in 2008 the government pay independent experts to probably advocate on the government's behalf, whether on television or social media. He says this is effective because people don't trust the government as much as they trust people they believe are independent. I wonder why. Why would they do that? And the WHO, World Health Organization, 
organization has already contracted the public relations firm Hill and Knowlton. It's called Hill and Knowlton, K-N-O-W-L-T-O-N. The public relations giant, the PR. Now remember, PR means propaganda. That's where it came from. <laughs> the public relations sounds better. That's why they changed under Bernays. Best known for its role for in manufacturing false testimonies in support of the Gulf War. Oh, that makes me feel better. Isn't that better? Right? <laughs> That's who they, they use on it. False testimonies in support of the Gulf War. The, by the, the links are here by of the false testimonies as well. From the Guardian newspaper. Hmm. Bet they wish that was retracted. Was hired by the WHO to ensure the science and public health credibility of the WHO in order to ensure the WHO's advice and guidance is followed. Does that make you feel better? Eh? False testimonies, that's what they did before, the same public relations company. The WHO paid Helen Knowlton $135,000 to identify micro-influencers micro-influencers and hidden heroes who could covertly promote WHO's advice and messaging on social media and also protect and promote the organization's image as a COVID-19 authority. There you go. There's no evidence that WHO has yet implemented any cognitive infiltration policies similar to what Sunstein advocated in 2008. No kidding, eh? If the organization were to adopt such a strategy and use it to convince hesitant populations to take COVID vaccine, it would raise questions of legality. I don't think they'd bother about legality in these days, you know, in this day and age. As put forward in a report by the Congressional Research Service, the link is here too. Illegal publicity or propaganda is defined by the U.S. Government Accountability Office, that's the GAO, to mean either one, self-aggrandizement by public officials, two, purely partisan activity, or three, covert propaganda. By covert propaganda, GAO means information which originates from the government but is unattributed and made to appear as though it came from a third party. Don't forget, too, under Obama's reign, the, uh, he, he then allowed the, the CIA and other organizations, and the military organizations too, to start using propaganda on the public of America, on, the, on their own citizens. Remember that? Because the WHO is a multinational organization, and a good part financed by Bill Gates, by the way, too. The articles are out there, how much money he gives them as well. And not a U.S. government agency. Covert cognitive infiltration policies could fall into gray area or even be considered legal. Mm. Dr. Margaret Chan, former director general of the WHO, once stated that the organization's policies are driven by what she called donor interests. Like, well, that's, I guess she's meaning Bill Gates. <laughs> and uh, small world, really, a small clique at the top, really. According to a 2012 article in Foreign Affairs, that's the CFR's magazine, few policy initiatives or normative standards set by the WHO are announced before they have been casually, unofficially vetted by Gates Foundation staff. There you go. This is in the, the article here. Eh? It's got the link to the actual article in Foreign Affairs. Or as other sources told Politico in 2017, Gates' priorities have become the WHO's. Well, there you are, Nani. The WHO's current uh, general director, Gabriel Jesus, 
was previously on the board of two organizations that Gates founded, provided seed money for and continues to fund to this day Gavi, the Vaccine Alliance, and a public-private global health partnership focused on increased access to vaccines in poorer countries and the Global Fund, which says it aims to accelerate the development, production and equitable global access to safe, quality, effective and affordable COVID-19 diagnostics, therapeutics and vaccines. If, as political put it, Gates' priorities have become the WHO's, and if the WHO's policies are driven by donor interests, this raises the questions as to what online groups, people and websites would be targeted by such covert programs. Good article, this. Eh? That's got all the links on it, too, you know. And it says, the idea of government agents carrying out psychological operations on social media is not far-fetched. Oh, that's been going on for years, for goodness sake. Yeah. Earlier this year, the head of editorial for Twitter's Middle East and Africa office, Africa office was outed as an active officer in the British Army's Psychological Warfare Unit, known as the, known as the 77th Brigade. That's a massive operation there, which specializes in online behavioral change operations. There you go. Uh-huh. Quite something, eh? But that's the world we're in, folks. As they try and as they keep prattling about democracy and rights and all that. Now, unless you belong to a designated special interest group, which are really just front battering rams to destroy the rest of society, that's what they're used for. Because the rights should be applicable to everybody. You all have the same rights under a true system, which you don't have been taken over by these worms. They ate their way in, like the Cass Sunstein, eh? I did lots of talks on him before when, he, when his book came out and also went into the behavioral insights teams and the different organizations that were at war with the public and paid to be at war with the public, not even before COVID came along. You have no idea what's going on. You live in a free society. It's one big system. It's one system. Look, look at the European Union's uh, meeting that they had, or actually the documentary they put out on vax, for vaccination and all that. And they, they, they came out before this all happened, saying they, were, they already had Facebook on board with them and all the newspapers on board with them and, and how they totally drive the agenda and, and the narrative uh, and override all opposing groups uh, if, a, if a pandemic ever came out, for goodness sake. The documentary came out beforehand. But they, they said they had, they had Facebook on board with them. They even had Mozilla, the CEO of Mozilla. But the folk think, oh, well, it's really, it's a, you know, it's an open source organization. No. They had him on board too, talking at it, saying he would be on board with it too, and they'd try and, and uh, dissuade people from looking at certain sites. And I mean, did this get bribed off, as, as we often wonder? Or does the one big system, the same system that buys off the who and so on, did they also buy off all these? Or are these guys even fronts for the one big system themselves? It's everything, I often wonder when it comes to, like, say, Silicon Valley. It's a massive part of the military-industrial complex. Massive, of course it is. And the military-industrial complex and the CIA have real organizations that really make things, real, even real factories across the world that really make things. And electronics firms that really make things for, for the jets and all the rest of it, and military fighters and, and all that kind of, they, really, they own them, though, you see. And they're legitimate companies, and they sound legitimate, but they're actually big 
parts of the military industrial complex. Well, I'm really sure that all the big groups that run the internets and everything to do with the internet from the beginning. We know that ARPA, the DARPA, really is it, came out with the internet for you. Military organization. I don't think, I don't think there's, it was ever meant that there's, there's any real independent anything on it. They're all part of the one big corporation, as Bill Gates is too. He's a businessman, not an inventor. And many other folk too. Oh, you've got Facebook. Oh, Zuckerberg is just a genius. Really, really. How many front folk have you seen in your own lifetime? How about Epstein? The, oh, this, the time he's a multi-millionaire, maybe multi-billion. Turns out he owns really nothing himself. But we know who really did above him. <laughs> That's how it works, folks. That's how it works. And before this hour is up too, I'm going to say again, going to cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Take note of all my sites that are listed there, how to get the links off them, and how to get them should any one of them go down. Because it's a war on the go. And it's a war for everything that's ever been and is right now. It's a complete, total war on the world right now, on you. This is a war for the global reset, a whole new way of existing under a new system permanently for perpetuity on behalf of those who decided they've got the right to rule the world since they own pretty well most of it, at least all the things that you need to live on. Yep, while you were sleeping, as the song says that, they took it all away. You can only do that, take it all away, with a naive society. They really believed it. Well, it's our society, it's our country, it's our whatever, you know. It really is, isn't it? They took it all away. Cuttingthroughmatrix.com, send a few bucks my way, PayPal, cash, personal checks, even a bank check would do fine, you know, it would cost more money probably to do even a cheap bank check, but, um, and MoneyGram I think too works, so there's ways to get cash to me if you want to, and, uh, and get, you can get books and discs from me as well if you want them, I've got, I've got a stack of other talks I've never put up, you know, it's a whole stack of them, because they're still on tape, I don't have to try and uh, make the, the run the, the do a lot of work on the tapes to make them sound better because it's a, it was taken off international radio shortwave, you know, years ago, many years ago. So I haven't put them anywhere yet. So I still got them, and that would take work to make them uh, more coherent until you understand them. A lot of hissing and so on. But uh, they were very interesting talks, uh, I think, at the time. But I, I really hope the people, because this is total war, and uh, they're going after folk. They're, they're social influencers. All these little terms for their targets. <laughs> and, uh, and they really mean business, because as I say, this is total war. And I mean total war, and war ends up killing folk, obviously. And uh, they will in prison initially, or, or arrange accidents for different folks to, or just wipe them out. They've already done, they've already wiped a lot of people out off um, different platforms. And uh, that's your freedom, that's your new freedom. That The new freedom uh, that George Bush Jr. mentioned around the time of uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom, when they were going to bring democracy to Iraq. <laughs> you, have to, you have to wonder what planet they're on at times, don't you? But it's a good excuse at the time. We're bringing democracy to Iraq. And uh, 
But anyway, he sends you a new freedom. We're giving you a new freedom. And folk just listen to these little terms, these statements given. It's like a new world order, like his dad mentioned. The new, I see the, I see the emergence of a, of a new world order, you know. This big occultic declaration he was, he was given to. And even the media didn't ask him what he meant by it, you know. A different way of, you know, a whole new way for the world and a whole new way of living and blah, blah, blah. Well, guess that's where you're living. This is the WEF, folks. <laughs> where whole panels were decide what rights you've got, right down to what you can think and what you mustn't think. And there you, there's your new freedom, too, you see. Isn't that wonderful? Remember watching. Have those grandchildren. Mao Zedong and China had his little red book for them. And he'd wave it. You see, he'd wave it. Oh, it's this little it's like a Bible. You see, that's what he was to represent. It was the, the revolutionary Bible. Whereas the, the West always saw as the West. Because they, they really didn't know much on a lot about the West. At least the common folk didn't in China. And so they took it for granted what they were told. It was like Bible-thumping crazy people always holding these black books. And so they'd have a red book in China. And Mao Zedong was there. And they said, the chairman, Mao Zedong. Chairman Mao, they called him. And he had his cultural revolution where they killed millions of people. You know. Because, you see, they may have been, still be contaminated with old ideas. Even though they were they went through the revolution and all that, and, and they, so they, you know, the, the the students and the, the sons and daughters to drag the parents and teachers out of schools and stuff if they didn't go along with it. The same sort of thing, like taking the knee. That's where all that stuff comes from, folks. Huh? Or repeat after me this chant, huh? I think it's all new. All the stuff you're seeing in the states, right? No, no, it's all been done before. Techniques where you have to say so and so matters, you see. Yeah. And the revolution matters, and the young people of the revolution matter. And then they did they, drag you. you, you this old clips were taken. I don't know if they're still around, but you would see them beaten up and killing teachers and so on because they wouldn't go along with uh, the parroting phrases, slogans. Lenin said the same thing: "We shall win by slogans." It doesn't mean they don't want people who think about things. They just want them to repeat the slogans. So Mao Zedong um, did a cultural revolution in his little red book. And you would see these young children all quoting it off in unison as a Bible by rote, you see. Every day they had to go through it all. And uh, this is your future. This is where you're getting to, where all thought must be policed. And the UN actually called it that, by the way, self-policing. And articles I read from the United Nations years ago on there. They would train the public to self-police themselves and using techniques and psychology and so on. They would make you feel guilty if your thoughts strayed to a certain uh, question or thought or um, or even an opinion or, or even around the edges of an opinion as you're inquiring into something. You'd immediately recoil away from it in a Pavlovian way, a conditioned response. This is the future where all independent thought has to be utterly destroyed so as your masters are in charge of you and feel safe. Remember, in a totalitarian tyranny, every single person must be predictable. That's what the internet's for and so on. 
an Internet of Things in your 5G network system where you won't be able to go anywhere without them knowing exactly what you're doing, how you're looking, how you're walking, what you looked at, yada, yada, yada. But now they want to have your thoughts in your home. And you all bought the hubs. This, this prune in Scotland that introduced this bill, huh? We're literally wanting to know what you're thinking and you're to say, very chargey for... Well, what do you, how do they think they're going to... What happens if you talk in your sleep and you've got a bad dream or something? In your Alexa unit or whatever, the multitude of units there. As you've all been conditioned to take the spy into your house, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? I can't... I, I have no sympathy for folk who disregard common sense. They're gone, folks. They are gone. And they want to police you in your own home, what you think and say. Even if you're just having a joke. Or it's taken the wrong way, or whatever, or whatever, or whatever. Who cares? The fact is, you buy your own chains. You really, really do. And there's no help helping folk that do it. Well, it's the latest gadget, you know, it's the special hub. You know, it's a... <laughs> okay. And there's Cass. See, the facts I put out here, like Cass Sunstein, makes no difference to you. The folk have gone. It doesn't make any difference to them at all. It doesn't. I'll put this article up too. I always put the articles up that I mention, and uh, this is one of them. There's some good articles out there indeed. There's an article, another one too. It says, How Sage, right? And the UK media created fear in the British public. I did this article months ago, but someone else has done it now too, and put it in a, in a good order. And um, it's quite good, actually. It talks about COVID-19 starting, or started uh, registering with most of the British public around late February and early March. Many were concerned, but not particularly afraid. Only weeks later, people were terrified to leave their homes or to go near other human beings. How did such a, a shift in public perception happen so quickly? Don't forget, it was pretty well over. They said themselves by the end of April. That any, any infection, you know, phase one. But, uh, and again, we know now, the event 201, and you, you had uh, the one came out from Rockefeller Foundation 2010 as well, all these things. But, you know, how, they're following it to the letter. I say plan A didn't work. That was convincing the public to give up all their rights and free to save the world under climate change. So they pulled out to the plan B, you know. And it says SAGE, S-P-I-B, and applied psychology. So SAGE is an advisor group to the UK government responsible for making sure decision makers have access to scientific advice. Well, who's a scientist, huh? What corporations do they uh, work for or have shares in? We're told that advice provided by SAGE does not represent official government policy. That's what it says. That's what they say. That's how the government gets away the, the slimy sods that they are, you know. <laughs> Why are they using them if it doesn't represent official government policy? That's a, a little backdoor way out for them if it really happens. And don't forget, SAGE is the one who, who got a subgroup that was trained to terrify the public. Literally, they said that. And I put the articles out months and months ago. So SAGE also relies on expert subgroups for COVID-19-specific advice. These subgroups include NERVTAG, it's called, 
which is New and Emerging Respiratory Virus Threats Advisory Group, SPIM, Scientific Pandemic Influenza Group on Modeling, and SPIB, Independent Scientific Pandemic Influenza Group on Behaviors, and it says the identity of individual committee members ourselves themselves were initially kept secret, purportedly due to national security. Some names were eventually released, largely due to efforts by UK businessman Simon Dolan and his legal challenge campaign. And the link for that is here too. We want you to find out who these characters are that's advising governments. Eh? It says, uh, nevertheless, two members remain anonymous. And it's into psychological techniques for behavioral change. The document itself is titled Options for Increasing Adherence to Social Distancing Measures was drafted by SPIB, the Behavioral Science Subgroup for SAGE. Now that's the group that was meant to terrify the public, right? SPIB. And the link is for that is here too. And the link is from government.uk, <laughs> Department of Independent Scientific Pandemic Influenza Group on behaviors, SPIB. And so, so yeah, it's, this is official stuff. It's not conspiracy stuff, right? So it's the Behavioral Science Subgroup for SAGE. And it says, um, they highlighted nine broad ways of achieving behavioral change in the public. One is education, right? Two is persuasion. Three is incentivization. Incentivization is awfully good because they can say, well, you know, if you take this shot, you, you might get a passport and then you can start moving around a bit, you know. That, that's all that kind of stuff works. There's little bribes, eh, to the animals. That's you. Number four, coercion. They can coerce you. Well, you can't go shopping either unless you do what you're told. Wear a mask and social distance and only do it straight there and straight back and yada yada and don't sit in a, a park bench or anything for a rest or we we'll have to fine you. And then enablement, and then there's six is training. Restriction, so they're going to train you like animals. Eh? Restriction is seven. Eight is environmental restructuring. <laughs> I guess that's putting you in these camps. Nine is modeling, right? In the document, SPIB focused on the methods most relevant to their stated goals and set out ten options that were evaluated on six criteria. One is, it says, um, under the acronym, APs were acceptability. They love this, don't they? they, said they I guess they make, they make millions of bucks just dreaming up these acronyms, eh? APs. Acceptability is one. Practicability, two. Effectiveness, three. Affordability, three. Four. Spillover effects and equity. Well, you get lots of equity from the taxpayers, that's for sure. Right? And that comes from a link called Options for Increasing Adherence to Social Distancing Measures. It was put out on 22nd March 2020. It's also from the government, UK government, right? <laughs> Getting you comply, like your little animals can train you and persuade you and goad you and, and uh, you know, coerce you. It says a substantial number of people still do not feel sufficiently personally threatened. That, that's when they put out the thing. They put out the, it's called persuasion. It's a key part of the behavioral change strategy. It says uh, the persuasion section of the document. I remember I put that out there too. The whole document. Eh? The persuasion part says uh, a substantial number of people still, still not feel sufficiently personally threatened. 
and clearly the psychologists felt that as of late March the public was still not afraid of COVID-19. It therefore suggested that the government increased the level of fear. This is the one they put out to the, to the reporters for the newspapers and, and to the, the television media and so on. To follow guidelines, eh? And that's what it said to them. That the public are not scared enough, in other words. So they were told to increase um, emotional messaging. And, Increase, to increase the level of fear and anxiety to get the public to comply. Do you realise how you're being managed eh, by these government agencies or employed by government? To terrify you into compliance. This is the perceived level of personal threat needs to be increased amongst those who are complacent using hard-hitting emotional messaging. And yeah, I put all that stuff out months and months ago, and it says, use media to increase sense of personal threat. And again, it's got options for increasing adherence to social distancing measures as well. From government.uk. There you go. It says, the SPIB recommendations to increase personal threat and use hard-hitting emotional messaging. They're on display with eerie imagery coupled with taglines such as anyone can get it, anyone can spread it. Don't put your friends and family in danger. Stay at home for your family. Don't put their lives in danger. If you go out, you can spread it. People will die. Mm. And it's got the sources too that came from Reuters, April. And Sky News. Sometimes I'm scared to put out these links if I mention them because they can be they can be pulled before the show goes up, <laughs> or when it goes up. That happened last night with one of the articles last week. And hysterical news headlines during the first week of April 2020. In proportion to this was called, eh? It says, pro, uh, Project, notice a change in the BBC headlines and posted the article, BBC Inter- Informing or Scaring. An article compared to hysterical BBC news headline from the first week of April 2020 with those of 2018, when mortality rates were peaking due, due to a bad flu season. It found no reference to flu or excess mortality on the BBC homepage during the 2018 peak. In proportion to us, do the headlines reflect the gravity of the situation in an equivalent way? Or is there an additional fear being stirred up in 2020? Well, of course it's, it's more. So per- persuasion through shame and approval. <gasps> there you are. Covidiots and heroes. Oh dear. Which one are you? So the psychologist for SPIB knew that fear on its own wouldn't persuade everyone, so messaging needed to be tailored to take into account different motivational levers. Some people were more persuaded by appeals to play by the rules, some by duty to the community, and some to personal risk. So suggested using both social approval and disapproval. Remember doing these articles years ago on social approval and disapproval, not just in this, but way before, other ways of behavioral modification. You're always being tampered with, you don't know it. <laughs> so this one here would use social approval and disapproval with compulsion, meaning legal, uh, legislation as a backup. Used and promote social approval for desired behaviours. Consider enacting legislation to compel required behaviours. And option A, consider use of social disapproval for failure to comply. <sighs> the community is just unhappy with you. The, 
it's, it's like when they use the term, the term as well, that um, the global community, you know, they, they want this to happen. It's the global community, and <laughs> these stupid little tricks that that, uh, that they're always using on you to change it, what you think. They don't believe in independent thought. There's an enemy. The UN said that years ago. The enemy to their system that they planned for the world was the individual, as opposed to collectivism. The individual. Don't forget this, the individual who initially sees through things to begin with, other people might follow, but it's, it always starts with an individual. It's the odd individual that seeks and, and digs in to find out truth. The collective doesn't. They generally accept what they accept, what, they, what everybody else accepts. That's what's called the collective. So social disapproval, the, the community's not happy with you. You put them all in danger, you know. And as so we can see from the obvious approval, the approval dialectic with the heroes in Covidius narrative that soon began to surface in the news. The term Covidiot appeared around March with The Economist's 1843 magazine describing Covidiots in this way. And it's got the link to that too from the magazine itself, The Economist. And it says, even in a pandemic, many of us are prone to judge others and find them wanting. Isn't that hate speech? Having an opinion about others? No, hateful person. The term COVIDiot describes any and every person behaving stupidly or irresponsibly as the epidemic spreads. Sometime in early March, the word was born, and almost as fast as the virus spread, so did instances of COVIDiot behavior. <gasps> oh, what an awful person, hateful person to say that, eh? Calling some a COVIDiot, eh? Mm. Wonder how much money that that we paid for that term <laughs> to some PR company. I'll rush through this one because it's it's got good article and good parts. The same article on it too goes into how the, the government uh, you do it all. They said incentivize media. How the psychological techniques would be used and increased. They did increased UK government's media spending. Your your tax money pays the media to brainwash you. So Digiday, a media and marketing industry publication, reported in April that the government is becoming a UK news publisher's most important client. There you go. That's your tax money at work. I've got a link to that one too, uh, from Digiday. In the 20th April 2020 article for Digiday, Lara O'Reilly wrote, the government is spending more than usual judging by their bookings. The publishers also point out that the lack of activity from other advertisers in the current market means the government campaigns will have an outweighed share of voice compared with normal times. And it's got Digiday Stay at Home campaign as well. That was one of the about the media, Stay at Home, you know. And it's got a link to that one as well. And then psychological techniques to change behavior. Behavior modification, you see. Uh, the UK government and public document outlining psychological techniques to change the behavior of the population. We see a unified mass media campaign that falls in line with these techniques. We then see a dramatic shift in, a, in public perception and behavior. What else can we call this but brainwashing? Well, that's exactly what it is. Despite the open nature of what's transpired, it seems to have gained little coverage in the media. And it's got uh, links for downloading the documents and so on, research analysis options for increasing adherence to social distancing as an example. 
and so on. It's well worth uh, looking it up. And and again, don't take my word for it, or don't even take the articles. <laughs> Everything you must check and check and check and counter check, you know, for yourselves. There's no doubt about it. Because remember that what I read earlier from Cass Sunstein, they themselves will put out false stuff that you'll jump on. They might even create false news outlets, by the way, so as they can then hammer you for putting out fake news. You understand? This is war. This is complete war. So you've got to be very careful and be able to check everything. And always make sure that, if you can, there's actually links to the actual article, the original articles themselves, especially from government. That, that is your proof right there. <laughs> It's from government itself. And um, global research has nine COVID facts, pandemic of fear-mongering and ignorance, and goes into the PCR test, practically useless. According to an article in the New York Times, August 29th, 2020, testing for the COVID-19 virus using the popular PCR method Results up to 90% of those tested, showing positive results that are grossly misleading. Officials in Massachusetts, New York, and Nevada compelled testing data that revealed that the PCR test cannot determine the amount of virus in a sample, which is called viral load. The amount of virus in up to 90% of positive tests turned out to be so minuscule that the patient was asymptomatic and posed no threat to others. So the positive COVID-19 tests are virtually meaningless. It can't tell you if you've got it or not, by the way, even if it detects a few particles. It doesn't mean you've got a disease, the disease. This is important. A positive test is not a case. See, the more that they're testing, they say, well, we're so many million a day now. Well, naturally, we're going to get false positives. And it would, if they stop testing you, Believe you me, they have nothing to, to show you because they're guaranteed a lot of false positives by the more tests they churn out there. That's the whole, this is the, the con of, it's so beautiful, really, you know. And then you call them cases. Well, we did uh, another 500,000 today. Guess what we found? Yeah. And it's a bit, well, they had, they had 200,000 cases or 100,000 cases. No, they're not diseased, you know. They're just particles. doesn't mean they've got a disease or had a disease in even. The Center for Disease Control dramatically lowered the COVID-19 death count net links. These links are here too, by the way. Yeah. That was in Fox News as well. Fox 8. On August 30th, CDC released new data that showed only 6%, 6% of the deaths previously attributed to COVID-19. Right? After they terrified you right up until August, right? So they had to alter it and say that only 6% of the deaths previously attributed to COVID-19 were due to excessively to the virus. The vast majority, 94% may have had exposure to COVID-19, we all have had, by the way, or any, even a cold virus, in fact, they're all COVID, but also had pre-existing illnesses like heart disease, obesity, hypertension, cancer, and various respiratory diseases, and so on, illnesses. Well, they died with COVID-19. They did not die exclusively from COVID-19. That's what we do know. The CDC reports COVID-19 survival rate over 99%. CDC updated their current best estimates for COVID-19 survival on September 10th, showing that over 99% of people exposed to the virus survived. Another word, uh, way to say this is less than 1% of the population are potentially, uh, exposures are potentially life-threatening, in other words. And I've seen in three different uh, articles about the same thing. Here it says that... Uh, 
The vast majority of COVID deaths were concentrated in a population over 70, close to normal life expectancy. There was an article come out the other day that says the average eight lives, deaths was 82 years. There was dying of it. And then were they dying off it? CDC reviews 85% positive COVID cases wore face masks always or often. It's their own own testing stuff too to get people who are compliant and are, you know, will do surveys. And September 2020, CDC, Center for Disease Control, released the results of a study conducted in July where they discovered that 85% of the positive COVID test subjects reported wearing a cloth face mask always or often for two weeks prior to testing positive. The majority, 71% of the test subjects reported always wearing a cloth face mask and 14% often wearing a cloth face mask. Only a rational conclusion from the study is that cloth face masks offer little, if any, protection from COVID-19 infection. I'll put other articles up, too, on the different kinds of masks, by the way, from the CDC and others. Long before COVID came along, they were telling you these masks are pretty well useless for such small micron sizes or viruses or particles. Another one, too, the U.S. death rate is not spiking. If COVID-19 was a lethal killer, it's made out to be, one would reasonably expect to see a significant spike. And so you understand, it's true, right? If it was the lethal killer that's made out to be by the media and so on, one would reasonably expect to see a significant spike in the number of deaths reported. But that hasn't happened. So here's facts, right? And yet that's why they need the Cass Sunstein groups and all the rest of them to... To, to lie to you and to, to harass you and maybe even arrest you eventually if you won't shut up. Because if things were all real, you wouldn't need Cass Sunstein to convince you of anything. You'd see it all for yourself. This is total war on the public. And the, the Sunsteins and the rest of them should be arrested, folks, for terrifying the public and the groups that work with Sage and Britain and so on. Absolutely. <laughs> This is total war on you. These are war criminals. You wouldn't need them. The public are not stupid. If they knew folk were dropping dead and folk they knew, they'd have no problem going along with this, folks. They wouldn't at all. You wouldn't need all these psychological units to convince you to go along with it. Eh? And uh, so I'll put these articles up too. And... Um, and it's to all the young children and adults locked down too, right? And healthy young people that should be working. Everything's come to a complete halt by design. The global, the Great Reset, huh? the World Economic Great Reset. This is it, folks. Forever, by the way. They've mentioned that. Singapore halts use of flu vaccines after 48 die in South Korea. For the, This is flu vaccine, right? And it uh, says that um, Singapore temporarily halted the use of two influenza vaccines as a precaution after some people who received them and South Korea died, becoming among the first countries to publicly announce a halt of the vaccine's usage. They're, pro- they're, pro- they're dangerous to society, admitting that they, they died because of it. They should be good and said they died of something else, for goodness sake, for the good of the community. Sunstein would approve of that, you know. Ah, oh, dear, dear, dear. 
and says no deaths have been associated with with actual flu itself, or with actually with the vaccination being reported in Singapore today. To date, but the decision to halt the use of uh, Sky Cell Flu and Quadrivalent and Vaxigrip Tetra was precautionary, the Health Minister and Health Sciences Authority has said in a statement Sunday. So it's because South Korea's had the deaths, 48 people. That's just a fluke, though, you know that. You know, they, these things happen for goodness sake. I'm telling you. If you notice, too, the flu's disappeared. Because all the numbers, again, admitted that is CDC. They're not counting them now. They're suspended counting them. Because all the flu ones are getting put down as COVID now. Passe, pa- that happened before, back in 2009. In Canada, when they're padding the numbers. When the doctors were saying, put them all down this particular flu, even though without tests and so on. Because we can't test them all. So never they couldn't get the numbers up. And uh, Britain's bleak midwinter UK records... It records, remember this is after Boris's, what was that big campaign he had to get so many thousands a day tested per day per day? So naturally you're going to get more folk, because everybody's got little particles of viruses in their pieces and bits and pieces of viruses in their nostrils. That's what your nose does, it filters them and catches them. Ay, ay. And, and they're not live viruses, these are bits and pieces, folks, that the PCR tests detects it. And even then, it's not to be used for diagnosed. I keep saying, you get fed up saying the same things. The inventor of it says it's not to be, it was useless for, for diagnosing the illness. The inventor. There's old videos out there of them talking about it. Saying that. And uh, so, so Britain, so their cases, oh, so the more you test, the more cases you're going to get, more folk had positive. Are you No, no. Up to 2,000 from yesterday, as Professor Lockdown warns that people will catch virus and die. He, that's right out of the, the, PR, the thing I mentioned there, you know, the campaign for propaganda by the, by the PSYOPs programs. Eh? If they're allowed to mix in Christmas Day, oh, they'll catch the virus and die, says the Mail Online. Faithful, good little. I guess they were paid to say that. Now they're getting paid to put these terrible thing, terrifying things out. And I can't let's listen to this now, eh? Yeah, this is October. This is um. Meanwhile, Professor Ferguson. This is the same guy whose modelling led to the original lockdown in March. The guy who was completely out to lunch on everything he's ever done with computers. It's all done with modelling computers. The same guy behind the culling off of the whole population of the meat, the livestock in Britain with the foot and mouth disease. That was this guy. This guy's a walking one-man war. He's an arsenal of destruction. That's why they got him. And that's why he's still working, by the way. I've been so wrong on everything else. This is astonishing, eh? What time is you living is to witness this kind of thing? <gasps> aye, aye. I tell you. There you go. Imagine, but why, how would you... Well, again, they're getting paid to put the stuff out. Again, I've read that already, eh? The government's paying them. Oregon health official dressed... Listen, bizarro. Oregon health official dressed as a clown... This is the official dress is going while announcing coronavirus deaths. I guess it's supposed to be like like this, this is Halloween or something. Is that the idea? 
And so it says, a senior Oregon health official has gone viral after dressing as a clown during the state's latest coronavirus announcement. Dr. Claire Poche, or Poche, senior health advisor for the Oregon Health Authority, donned white and red clown makeup and a red tie with a polka dot shirt in the somber clip. In the bizarre video, Dr. Poche announces statistics on recorded cases of the virus and deaths while wearing the costume and maintaining a straight face. What I mentioned earlier about the straight faces of the old sci-fi movies. <laughs> now you've seen all the politicians doing it now too. As of today, there have been 30,160 cases. In other words, not infections, not, not illnesses, but tests, you see, yeah? In Oregon, with 390 new cases being reported today, well, if you put another few thousand tests out, you only find more guaranteed, right? We know that. It doesn't mean they've got diseased, by the way, or, or contagious or anything. But facts don't matter. A clown is telling you this here, right? She then goes on to discuss the state's death toll, adding, sadly, we're also reporting three deaths today, bringing the statewide total for COVID-19-related deaths to 608. I guess that's when, it's, when it all started. But again, they're putting everybody down as dying of it. If, you, if, if, you have your, if your heart bursts, there's a massive infarction, and they then test you, you ram a swab up your nostril, and get a fragment of COVID, which lots of folks have got, by the way. That doesn't mean you're ill or sick or even got it. Then they'll be down. As, we've been through all this before ad nauseum. We use a clown telling you, right? So the costume was actually part of a discussion on celebrating Halloween safety during the pandemic. Ah, another senior advisor, Shimi Sharif, later appeared in an announcement dressed as a cuddly animal on onesie. Who's an animal onesie from the film My Neighbor, Totoro? What? what? Is it, are they, have they opened the gates of the asylum or something? What is this? The clip which aired on 14th October went viral on Twitter after Oregonian journalist Samantha Swindler called the production choice. Is this real? Samantha Swindler called the production choice an absolute nightmare, it says. What is that movie? Was it Stephen King? Was it or did the one that was, was it, it or something? The clown one? The graphic clown thing? Hmm. Maybe the PSYOPs teams brought this out to terrify the public, Because eh? it puts your mind into cognitive dissonance when you he's a clown telling you about deaths and smelling and being happy and stuff, eh? So this goes on and on about it. Anyway, that's that's it. For, I mean, it's, you, you thought the past was occasionally crazy. Mm-hmm. There you go. And this one, too, is... Oxford coronavirus vaccine is to get approval ahead of Christmas so it can be used for medics and the elderly. Let's 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 jab into the elderly, right? <laughs> Before final trials are finished, says Professor, who's leading the project. So there's Oxford again at it. They're all at it you know, to get their vaccines out there and Oh they'll be they'll be living pretty for the rest of their lives, these characters, eh? Yeah. Out out that side this out, out of this thing. And in Canada, they're killing folk, eh? If, for, if you're not social distancing, man gunned down outside Toronto LCBO. That's a liquor control board. That's where you get your marijuana in Canada. You buy it. Literally, the government runs it. So the government is your dope dealer and your liquor dealer. And I'm not kidding you. This is this real. LCBO. That's where you go for your booze. 
And they have beer ones too, beer stores, but also have the liquor ones, which are all wine, scotch and so on. And marijuana. Yeah, that's where you buy it. That's where you go and get your soma. So a guy was gunned down after alleged social distancing dispute identified, it says. Uh, 21-year-old man. Right? There you go. So an argument started off in the, in the store because of social distancing. And maybe they were just withdrawal for their drugs. Maybe they needed drugs badly or so. Who knows? I mean, that's, I'll tell you one thing, though. The, the, every report I've read is, is amazing. The, the marijuana that's out now is really potent stuff compared to what it used to be. Eh? And there's, there's definitely cases of psychosis from it. And I don't really mean that, you know. Verified cases in some with a lot of people actually now. It's getting worse and getting worse with lockdown, too. It's tempers free. That's what I want. Britain's bleak midwinter UK records 23,012 more COVID cases. Remember, Boris's boast to get oh, so many millions a day tested. So naturally, you're going to get this with these faulty tests, folks. Garn- they can't lose with these swab tests. Can't lose. They're guaranteed to get the results that they want. But cases are not illnesses, they're not, they're not infected either, most of the people, and they're not ill. You understand? This is not a case. A case used to be someone who was, had signs and symptoms of an, Ill, of an illness. They don't. And again, it's all, you're, you're all the same thing. You're all going to die. Oh, my goodness. Eh? Watch a 104-year-old woman locked down in care home for months beg to see the family. I'm sure they'll leak to her, licking their chops with that one. They love it. And all these psychologists that are paid to brainwash you, they love this kind of stuff in stare, didn't they? Yeah, she looks delicious, quivering there, you know. And let's see how the, the family across the way respond in the, between the barrier and all that. And psychopaths, psychopaths. There's more psychopaths in psychology, by the way, definitely in the behavioral department uh, working for governments. More psychopaths, definite psychopaths working for them. No conscience at all. <laughs> so in a video shared in the Care Home Relatives Scotland group Facebook Mary Fowler says she's very well looked after At the Balfour Care Home in Glenrothes, Scotland But adds, I want my family though She says, this is my rights See, that tells you she's an old person But she still believes that she's got rights Please help, it's cutting me to bits Says the smartly dressed woman I must see my kids. Time's getting on for me. I must see my children. I make things like they used to be. And then she asks for help. So far, she only get brief window visits from one of her children. And they show it, they give you a video of you if you want to see it, you know. And this, ooh, this fishy character, Nicola Sturgeon, first minister in Scotland's left, separatist, devoted, less, far left, they're actually a front for the big world system, and they're well paid for it too. There's more money flowing into their paychecks, believe you me, than just from the country. <sighs> so any of the Nicola Sturgeon, I'm not going to read her stuff because she's a neuropsychopath. So there you go. And <laughs> I keep coming back to the hay climbers in Scotland and. Uh, John Cleese is, is talking about it, and Rowan Atkinson and different people too, and how ridiculous it is as they get into your heads. Well, Mr. Sunstein, and you're, and just, why would you vote for governments that are paying people, paying psychopaths to brainwash you? If you have rights and, and freedoms, you have the freedom to think for yourself. 
and to state what you think for yourself to others if you want to. Not to be brainwashed into compliance for a much bigger agenda that's using COVID as a front to bring it all in. To destroy totally society and your way of life and your ability to even feed yourself. That's what it's going to go down. That's what it's supposed to do. This is total war on the people. Another one, two, another article, and that's what I'm saying in Canada, they shoot you. And uh, there's another one. I mentioned this back in July or wherever, wherever it happened during July. And it's south of me. It says, man fatally shot following a mask dispute. And, of course, after the police inquiry, because the police did their own inquiries, opened fire on OPP, the Ontario Provincial Police, it says, here's what it says at the top of it. He was wearing camouflage and was heavily armed, say sources. There's no independent sources here except the police. <laughs> A 73-year-old man, right? And it says he, he was shot, you know, after a dispute in a grocery store, because he wasn't wearing a mask, it says. Uh, and uh, they followed him, you see. They've got his license plate numbers. And By the way, all these stores now go like, they're, they're taking your license plate numbers for any probable disputes, or, and even for this, this, this fakery of um, contact tracing. Yeah. They want you to get all trained. Out. So everybody's going get, to get a chance to say, you know, you, you don't know it yet, but you were in a place yesterday. We know you were there because we saw it on camera. And, and there's somebody, somebody, and a hundred mile radius were tested positive for COVID, so you'd better lock, lock down there for a couple of weeks. You're, you're all going to get this. Not, to get trained, it's nothing to do with reality. You're going to get trained. Eh? Before, that, you see, they have regiments of, of troops. They've got regiments of troops. They're really just people who, who are contact tracers. Private corporations got billions dished out to them for this. It was planned before the COVID came out. I did the articles before who was to get the contracts. And they were offered them last year. <laughs> so it's very tragic, but this easily could have been worse, said a justice source. Again, it's a police or a judge after shooting the old guy. We very easily could have had two dead police officers in this. It was that close. We are unfortunate we don't, it says. Sources tell that the son, after the incident out, uh, inside and outside a grocery store in Minden, the man travelled to a property near Halliburton and was armed and waiting for the OPP. It was his own home, I think, you know. And um, it says, so when the police showed up, uh, he engaged and with gunfire. And he was wearing camouflage. Well, in the wooded areas down where he was, by the way, I think half the population wears camo. All the age groups do. And it's the greatest thing if you're actually out in the, living in the country because it's a bit rougher and more rugged for, for wear in the bush. There's no doubt about it, you know. Especially when you're wearing anything. You don't wear anything. You don't wear, you know, city clothes in the country. You just don't do it because white doesn't go well with mud. <laughs> Things like that. So he's wearing camouflage and was heavily armed, sources say. Mm. So there you go. So they killed him. It says, uh, Value Mart, that's the guess when the store's their employee, Tiana Francis, told CBC the man just got angry and didn't want to comply with wearing a mask and was making the point if we didn't have to force him and tell him that he couldn't come into the store, nothing would have happened, really. He would have got his groceries and went along with his day. He'd still be wearing camo, though, you know. I remember the previous article said he was an independent loner. Well, 
He bought his place outright himself. He had the right to privacy. And he wants peace and quiet. That's probably why he went to the country. Unfortunately, the city had followed them there in a sense, didn't it? So there you go. That's what they do in Canada. So be careful in Canada because they don't bother just censoring you and stuff. They, they, well, they can censor you kind of permanently, I suppose. And uh, there you go. Anyway, I'll put some of these up. <laughs> I seldom read Canadian news. It's so communistically awful. It really is. And it has been since Pierre Trudeau, the father of Justin, or the, well, whatever. And it says here, he predicted a tough winter because of the second wave of COVID-19 infections. It's not, it's not infections. Engulfed much of the country and channeled public frustration saying the pandemic, the pandemic sucks, he says. He went to a good school. Pandemic sucks. And called it a horrific national tragedy, he says. This is the guy who's, like his dad wanted international communism. I'm not meeting up, his dad, but he was, you know. His dad led the Comintern group for Young Communists of Canada over to Moscow in 1952. That's why they made him Prime Minister of Canada eventually. Because the future was to be communistic in a sense, using the, the technotronic system for efficiency. For those who own you. Canada's case numbers have been rising, triggering new instructions to public gatherings and directives in several provinces. On Monday, Canada recorded 4,109 new cases because they're doing more testing, right? So, this sucks. It really, really does, he says. So, there you go. That's it's really good education, he says it twice. It really, really does, he says. Hmm. A rare show of emotion and frustration from Trudeau. Uh, I can't read any more of that one. I'm sorry, you know. And um, let's see now. As I said before, I'll put up the the the, the PDFs not from the, the the Scottish government and, and this prune, this lord that they've got. Uh, this this his name is Campbell, I think, Alastair Campbell, who uh, is putting this kind of stuff through on behalf of the guy who. Dreamed it up, a fellow who I don't think likes Scots very much. <laughs> who knows, eh? It's so true, you know. I mean, I when I applied to come to Canada, the the, the uh, it was a French Canadian who interviewed me in the consul in Britain in Scotland, and he said they said to me, you know, this is he says, you know, you people aren't as welcome in, in Canada as you used to be. I never really. I said, what? What, no, what do you mean? He just looked at me. I thought, what happened? I didn't know about it. Well, of course, the Pierre Trudeau had happened long before that, mind you. And they had changed the policies. And I know they had changed the policies in Britain, certainly. At the United Nations, and actually put a quota system of who was to get into Canada. And uh, Scotland was definitely on the, the, the very minuscule minority point <laughs> for entrance. And that was a long time ago, so... But that's what he said to me, you know. So I don't know if that was classed as racism or not. But there you go. It depends who says things as opposed to whom. And who's judging it only. And that's why you can't have hate laws and things like that. Because it all depends on who's doing the judging. You might find more folk who are real haters that judging are judging you. And that's how things work, eh? And in this awful system that we're under. It's pretty disgusting. It really is what's happening. Once again, too, I, I keep reminding myself, cuttingthroughmatrix.com, 
You can get the books and discs or just straight donations. You find out how to do it at on the website. Make a list of all the sites I have because the war is on. And they've already said it. They're not going to allow folk to have contrary opinions to the officials, even though the officials keep changing their opinions, even after the, the officials admit they were wrong and bring down COVID deaths and uh, as opposed, you know, but then they go back up again, change their minds. See, this, this is the this is the technique that's used after nine eleven too, as I've said before, until they have so many different conflicting opinions that they are, are factoids that not, not can make any sense of anything. This is deliberate, but again, use your own common sense and what you observe yourself. That's so important because this is an age. This is total warfare for different reasons, and they're telling you why would you lock down the world's the world's economy. At the same time, stop all production, start rationing things, and eventually you'll have your 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 um, rationing card. It might be electronic or web, but still a rationing card where you can allow to buy when you buy and all that. Where you can go. Look at Ireland right now with the lockdown. Look at England with curfews and everything. Total warfare scenario. Total warfare scenario. How dare they do that to adults, eh? Curfews? I guess the virus just, it might be more, more virile and it'll attack you more in the dark. Maybe that's the whole thing, eh? You won't see it coming. <laughs> Utter bizarre nonsense. Because, you see, the intent of this after a year or two or three or four, because this is to be on for years. Do you understand that? This is to be for years. This is not temporary. This is a whole agenda. A long planned agenda that's been implemented. A total change of the entire structure of society. I'm hearing in the distance, by the way, uh, Chinook helicopters. I mentioned it before. Uh, and this happened um, Friday and then Saturday, in the middle of Saturday night. And then, then now, Chinook helicopters they are going to the north of me. And uh, they're army ones, actually. Stacks of them, back and forth, back and forth. And, and I've told you about the trains, how they're taking... I mean, the, most of the stores are either shut or bankrupt and closed or forced to close and empty. So the, the trains that go by every 10 to 15 minutes, these massive, heavy trains night and day for the last few months are not going to the stores to restock them. Apart from that, there's very little north of me anyway. This is for massive bases for NORAD, etc., to the north, for, for continuity of government and so on. And a few other ones that they've got as well. That's what it's for. Massive stockpiles of, of food for years, actually, obviously. For them. Ah, well, there you go. And that's a little bit I'm mentioning too. Remember, cuttingthroughmates.com, a few bucks my way helps me tick along and I can keep going, hopefully, uh, because uh, things are going to get worse and you really need some connection to what's really happening and, and think for yourself. And don't just give up and be terrified. Um, it's good to feel a bit of anger here and there about these swine. They are swine that are causing this and bringing it on. And these psychological operations units, they're just psychopaths getting paid by our tax money. Why would you vote for governments that are doing this to you? How dare they do that? And yet they're doing it because they've made war on you. They've declared total war on you 
I hope you understand that. Right down to hate speech and what you can think in your home. <gasps> Welcome 5G and uh, Alexa and all the rest of it. Eh? <laughs> you fools buy it all. Get rid of them, folks. Get rid of them. I'm telling you. There's other articles too that other appliances are, are listening to you as well. But they've been doing that for years. Half of Canadian small businesses losing money daily in COVID second wave. It's just second wave. Who's dropping? Who's dropping dead here? And it says, um, just when you thought it couldn't get worse, new survey by Canadian Federation of Independent Business found the second wave uh, is hitting them harder still with new drops and say, well, no one's allowed to go out and get stuff. Eh? As many as, and folk don't have their money, they've been working since about February. <laughs> as many as 51% say they're losing money every day. And in places like Toronto and Peel region, which are under new provincial restrictions, again, they're doing this this, this roaming uh, kind of lockdowns, is to get you out. Everybody gets a chance of getting locked down to make you convince you that, that, you're, that you're all part of something big, you see. That's when they make you wear face masks. If you didn't wear face masks, you'd just forget it very quickly. You see the expressions on other people's faces. They're not sinister anymore. They don't see you as sinister. And you can read the expressions and you read people and things are okay. But you forget about COVID. Eh? It says that they're losing money and it's as high as 70% they're losing on a daily basis of their income. Particular hospitality businesses like restaurants and hotels, 76% or arts and recreation businesses like gyms and venues, 69% were more likely to report for their lowered sales. Small businesses still haven't recovered from the first wave. It's not meant to. It's supposed to go out of business. In fact, 37% of all businesses across Canada report they're actually losing money every day they're open. And uh, that's the way it's going to be, folks. With a new round of restrictions in several regions, they're already uh, proving to be devastating to them, especially as new supports from government remain in the development stage. Which supports is government going to give you? Uh, Supposedly, it's all borrowed money they dish out. You ever thought about where it all The folk think it's just pennies from heaven. You know, it comes out of nowhere. What do you think? Who's lending what really to governments to give to you? Because they don't come out with big, big, big trucks and, or, 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 and armored vehicles full of cash to, to the government. Where These money lenders, what do they really give them? Just, just blips on a computer. Because that's what it is, folks. But regardless... You see, it's to put you further and further and further in a debt as you have to pay it all off for the government. Real or not real, you'll be forced to pay the not reals off. <laughs> yeah. total, 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 this is to be like a total war, as though a bomb had been dropped, an atomic bomb or something. The kind of devastation they want, but like a permanent change. Belgium health experts demand investigation of the WHO for faking coronavirus pandemic. I mentioned this one, I think, last week too. And it says, um, so the doctors in Belgium and health professionals written an open letter to authorities demanding the investigation of the WHO for creating coronavirus infodemic faking the pandemic. The following letter has been made an impact on public health authorities not only in Belgium, but around the world the text could pertain to any case in which states lock down their citizens rather than allow people freedom and permit medical professionals to bear the primary job of disease mitigation. 
member too. It's so true. Here they have all these these psychological warfare teams going to attack anyone who puts out evidence to the contrary of this of the, of the of the propaganda that's getting lumped out by the media, and that the media is getting paid by the government to put out. <laughs> Remember this article, remember it? When the WHO, WHO, faked the pandemic. This is earlier it was revealed that a porn star, and I remember reading it, a porn star and a sci-fi writer influenced WHO policies on hydroxychloroquine with fake data. Remember they were putting it out? An obscure U.S. healthcare analytics company came under sharp scrutiny for the integrity of its key studies that were published in some of the world's most prestigious medical journals, World Health, World Health Organization, several nations. Remember that? I think even the Lancet, I think, used it. World Health Organization, several national governments changed their COVID-19 policies and treatment based on the faulty data provided by the company that used a porn star and a sci-fi writer on their payroll. Well, I guess they were happy at their work. An exclusive report by Great Game India revealed how in 2009 the WHO prematurely declared swine flu as well, a pandemic. Back then, remember that one? So, oh my God, y'all got to get your shots. Now, now, that fizzled out itself as well. And they were ticked off. That's what we demanded. We all buy their vaccines, eh? which we didn't, didn't, didn't want. And that resulted in a surge of vaccine orders back then, in 2009. The rich and affluent nations were quick to purchase the vaccines for their people. Ironically, most deaths occurred not in Europe, but in Africa and Southeast Asia. And it fizzled out, that one, too, the swine flu. But anyway, this, this, this actually mentions here that Stuart Bloom, this, this other... Um, author here, discloses that many of the most influential advisors at both the World Health Organization and national levels, and national levels, right, are paid consultants to the vaccine industry. So they're the organizations that are pushing it all for your advice, all be very afraid, be terrified, are, are paid consultants to the vaccine industry. They're fronts. Raising a very serious question that the who might be working for the vaccine industry's interests and not the people the reason why the 10 years ago that the WHO faked the pandemic, the swine flu one. And it did too, it really fizzled out by itself without the vaccination getting used. I think it was also a test to see what they could improve with their, terror, their, their, their war of terror and propaganda that they're using now. And we opened letter, we Belgium's doctors and health professionals wish to express serious concern about the evolution of the situation in the recent months surrounding the outbreak of SARS-CoV-2 virus. We call on politicians to be independently critical and, and critically informed on the decision-making process, etc., etc. It says there is no medical justification for any emergency policy anymore. Objective facts. There you go, Belgian doctors. Facts don't matter right enough because um, this is a world, this is a world. A war has been declared upon the entire planet, obviously. And yeah, you could start prosecuting the members of, say, an example, the WHO, and, and also the, the World Economic Forum. The WEF isn't just a little forum that meets once a year. It's a massive enterprise with its own bureaucracy and everything, folks. We don't vote for it. We didn't elect them. They, they just dictate policies and use like, the organizations like the CFR to sign it into law. Everybody's heard about the France attack where the church sexton in Nice had his throat slit while preparing for mass.
Notre Dame Church again. Eh? Few people around the mass. The first it was the first of the day. It wasn't due to start for another two hours, and then the man walked him knife, slit the throat of the sexton, partially beheaded an elderly woman, and badly wounded a third woman, according to a police source. And that's all they say about it. You never see any any condemnation of uh, or of the people who do it, you know. But uh, how does that even happen in this day and age? You find with most of these these murders and so on, people have made comments and statements themselves on social media of what they plan to do. But why would they go after the, a church sexton? Well, it doesn't matter, does it? And that'll be forgotten pretty quickly now. There'll be no inquiry into that. I mentioned before too, in, in Great Britain, Great Britain, that's... They're still having boat people come in every day, mind you, from all over the world. Uh, nice boats, too. They, they, they're disposable. They, they just leave it. Most, of course, unfortunately, you buy them. Whoever bought them, they're put up in, in, in expensive hotels. They're, they're given priority medical care, too, by the way. You know, Folk in Britain can't get that, you know? even during COVID. But that, facts don't matter, you know, because, because um, if you complain, you're a nasty person. But uh, this is from the star, and it's, it says it's eat or heat. I mentioned this before when the winter comes in, right? They accept now that folks die in their own home. British people die in their own homes because they can't afford the fuel for winters. That's Great Britain, you know. The, the, the people who accept from, from all over the world, you know, there you go. We're so nice. Because you're so. Again, the whole British eye concept is to be utterly, of, of just the people themselves, is to be demolished. Completely demolished until there's not even a, a history to fall back on to remind people in the back in, in, the, in the future of who they were. I really mean this. I've read all their, their books and so on years ago. So the Sheffield families on the bread line. So families across Sheffield have told of their ongoing struggles to make ends meet after one generous city cafe provided them with hot meals and food hampers free of charge. Butter me up on Queen's Road's Norman Greasy Spoon Cafe. County staff members of three years, Rachel Dawson. But over half-term, staff have been in the kitchen juggling the usual orders alongside preparing free school meals and packing hampers. So Mum of Three, Rachel, had a personal reason for wanting help. She said, I have been on my something or other, I don't know what it would be, it begins with a name. And I've got a little girl who's four and two older kids and no parents are going to be in a worse situation than I'm in, she says. I've gone without food myself so the kids are fed. We sat with quilts and hot water bottles because it was eat or heat. There you go, there's, there's Great Britain. And her daughter, Caitlin, uh, 20, University student who works part-time at Butter Me Up added, I've been for a shower at the friend's house and been around for tea to save money. And the cafe has donated 22 food hampers full of essential items and non-perishables, etc. And they've also cooked 32 hot meals to be delivered to 12 families across the city Wednesday. As a society, we have got to stop the stigma about using a food bank or relying on someone to help. Isn't it sad that the British folk, you see, I feel ashamed having to go to a food bank. And yet they read the papers of what it's costing them to bring folk in to their country all the time and put them up and so on. But they're, they're, they themselves are ashamed 
uh, when they're hungry to go to a food bank. There's psychological warfare, but it even makes you ashamed, you see. You see that? Uh, so I keep seeing posts saying don't have kids if you can't afford them. See, this is your, this is your WEF idea, you see. And Clever Rome, I was financially stable with my own house. I ended up broke and I was working 40 hours a week struggling with childcare. Shari, it's usually those without children have no idea of what a struggle it is. Rachel's boss and butter me up owner of three years is Liza Whedon from Chesterfield who said, with Rachel working here, we've got the facility to do it. I think it's brilliant. Every contacting us is saying, I'm so embarrassed, I've never done this before. I've said, please don't be. It's the same thing I remember too. When the 2007 crash happened, and you suddenly had big documentaries made about the tent cities that happened because the folk lost in their homes, thousands and thousands and thousands of them. With the extravagance of the, of the banks and the cons they're doing with their mortgages and flipping mortgages as though they were other commodities, literally flipping them over five, six, ten times a day per, per house. Until folk literally, uh, oh, they knew it was going to collapse. It was a greed frenzy, like a shark frenzy. And then the people themselves that had been enticed into these these low you know, income mortgage loans and so, all lost everything, everything. They ended up in intense cities. And then you saw all these people too that were collapsing. Businesses went under too. And you saw these folk lining up at food banks, utterly ashamed they were, poor, poor souls, you know. Well, same in Britain, yeah. I was reading one guy who, was, who, who had come in to Britain years ago and it cost £500,000 of taxpayers' money to defend him against some crime that he'd committed. Things are absurd now. But the folk in, in the country literally can't eat a lot of them. They can't eat. Who cares about them? Nobody does, unless you, unless you start caring yourselves. And the English should start, again, like the Scots and the rest of them, getting some gumption back and some pride and, and, and you know, back in their humanity as humans. Instead of this shame, shame, shame stuff you've been brainwashed with for years. How disgusting that they can pick and choose who they want to make to make, make feel inferior and to destroy them. How disgusting. Total war. You've got to stop this stuff and go after the folk that are doing this. Start arresting them. These, these are war crimes. So, it's rather sad what's happening, but... Um, so it's got more stories of, of people who had to go to the bank and so on, eh? So there you go, anyway. Glenn Greenwald, the, the guy who he helped uh, Snowden, the whistleblower, a few years ago, um, with his story, I think, and did a documentary. I think he may be in the documentary, too, I'm quite sure. But uh, it says he, he, was, he founded Intercept. He's a co-founder and he resigned from the website that he helped start up with a scathing essay claiming editors violated his editorial freedom by censoring an article he wrote criticizing Joe Biden. And um, 
I guess there's so much stuff came out on Biden's family or, or the son anyway that he he came out with was being put out supposedly as facts so far. But uh, yeah, they're clamping down anybody mentioning uh, the money situation flooding in and to the, the the Biden family through deals and so on. So yeah, he, he literally um, resigned from the intercept after that an editorial that he wrote about Biden was uh, censored, supposedly. We'll see what happens there. This shows you that this censorship thing is never going to end. It's going to get worse and worse. And it is astonishing, isn't it? That well, it's not really astonishing. It's only astonishing if you believe the media was ever real. Uh, it's, it's always been owned by big, powerful interests. You know, as I say, people used to know that when I grew up. The elder folk knew that they could tell the the, the moguls who won different newspapers, as an example, in Britain. And even the miners, uh, the guys you wouldn't think, they no, they were up on it all. And they knew who was who and what they were all part of the establishment and and what you could believe and or not trust or, or be suspicious of because that's what you're supposed to do, be as suspicious of things as a sentient human being in a world where there's all these power plays going on all the time. And, you know, the, the whole idea of the Sunstein idea didn't start with Sunstein. It was long before him. It's been on the go with uh, it's propaganda. Propaganda is an amazing thing. Governments run by, by using propaganda and teams of propagandists and psychologists, etc. And yeah, we're here, folks. More so now with uh, the Internet age, they can hire these miscellaneous, uh, faceless people by the thousands to and train them all who to attack and who to go after, and, how, and then other ones to convince the public. You could get 500 emails a day if they want to, to try and sway your opinion. You'll think it's independent people. You'll think maybe they're right, sending you this and sending you that. And you'll realize it's all from like a, an outfit, a, a section of an outfit that, that, that's paid to do this kind of thing. That's their job. That's what they're assigned to do, is to alter your opinions and things. If you're an influ- influencer, as they call it, you know. Social influencer. It's a bad name. In other wars, they would call you a quizzling or something, or you're on board with another nation, or a quizzling type, a subversive, a traitor even. But no, now if you don't go along with the propaganda, you're a social influencer. They go after social influencers which are not on board with them. And they'll attack them mercilessly, of course, and constantly through many, many, many different ways. It's this war, you see, waged upon the public. And they're using your tax money to wage war upon you. This is like a foreign entity doing this, really, when you think think about it. It's nothing to do with what you think your country's about or what you pay your money for your taxes for. And uh, because it's a different agenda, a completely different agenda than the average person who live in the country will think about or even understand sometimes. They never hear of the agenda and the fact that you're supposed to have no nation at all eventually. And the same organizations that then also put out social influencers, well-financed, the heroes of the opposition, which you will join, you see, and you follow them. This is old techniques, of course. They've always done this. 
But and they heavily, heavily promote them, and they, they'll, they'll see all the same things you're putting out there. But then they start bending the truth off in a particular direction, or back into the ridiculousness of politics, as it stands today. And that's how you're neutralized. I've seen it happening over the last over 20 years. The big changes in the promotion of different ones to, to take over what used to be opposition to the system. So that's how it's done. They, they go after opposition and they create opposition, they, 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 their own opposition that, that appears to be yours. They, they speak for you, you understand, and they're heavily financed, and that's one of the little telltale signs about them too. So be very careful what you do. Now, I always say this, you, you're giving your Pied Pipers to follow, and they must put out legitimate stuff, information, to get you to start to follow. It's, it's a little bit like, like rat poisoning. You know, the 90-odd percent of the rat poison, 95 percent or 98 percent, in fact, they say is corn. And that little bit more extra is the poison. And that's how they sway you for being the Pied Piper. So be careful what you do. Who you, you, should, you shouldn't really follow people so much as think for yourself. That's the whole point. That's why you're here. As <laughs> you think for yourself. When you realize that the 99.999 percent of everything in the world is there to, to dominate you and dominate your thoughts, not so, you, so that you can't even have your own thoughts, you know. Look at how much media is put out there to make sure you can't have your own original thought, unless you switch everything off in a day and start thinking for yourself. Not even, don't even look at a newspaper, nothing at all. And think about that, you see. Look at the billions of dollars across the world spent daily to try and make sure that you never get a thought of your own. In that whole day uh, it's, That's quite a program of war I'd say And as, as like I've said before For every penny you earn There's there's a thousand companies want it That's where they do all this advertising But the same thing about thinking For every minute of your day That you could be doing your own thinking uh, For yourself you, You've got thousands of other organizations And newspapers and media of all kinds and entertainment trying to grasp your attention for that one minute. They want it. That's a massive war indeed, isn't it? And I love this this article. It's, it's, I, I can't stand Fauci. <laughs> I really can't stand the man. Because his eyes now, you can see he's, he's getting nervous with his lies because he, he's just, you know, he's up to his eyes and collusion with corporations and, and industries that are, really, are profiting off this mightily. And he's been the he's been the, he's been a bureaucrat for fifty years. You understand? Eh? Ay, ay, ay. So U.S. might not see life get back to normal. This is the guy who told you back in February that life would never go back to normal. But he said well, it won't get back to normal until two thousand and twenty-two. This is his latest uh, declaration yeah, to to the, the the cattle down beneath him. And uh, so anyway, he's, um, and you can't even believe that too. It's never at the end. The same man has said it too. The same man who told you not to wear a mask initially and then demanded you wear a mask. And who said initially too, it probably wouldn't even affect America. And then says it's going to devastate America. Uh, This guy, and again, the the guy who literally is really, I mean, if you want collusion with corporations, just look at this character here. Uh, but uh, 
yeah, there's a, a few weeks here and a few weeks there, or another few weeks and or a few months here now and then. Then you're getting you're you're it's like putting the Judas goat down in front of the rest, eh? and you all follow the Judas goat. Now I'll pause a bit. You say, "Oh, I guess we're okay now," or I'll, I'll turn off to the side, and then you end up going into the slaughterhouse. That's how they play you. Eh? They put they put a Judas goat in front of you for. So Fauci, oh, just a few weeks more, or a few months more, or a few years more, you know. Along you go, you see. And he's, the same man's already told you uh, that vaccines probably won't stop you from getting it. Well, why are they going to mandate that you have it? Let, let's, let's take a, a potentially, possibly life-threatening thing. Hmm? A vaccine. That may kill you. That's what they said too, remember? That's what Bill Gates said, that thousands across the world might die of side effects from it and so on. You know? It was months ago, he said, but he said it. He's on, he's on video saying it. But that's acceptable, you know, to him, obviously, you know, but, um, not the people who are going to die. But I guess they don't matter. But here's Fauci telling you too, you can take a vaccine, you know, you won't get out of your homes without a vaccine, you can't go anywhere without a vaccine. And then it tells you, too, that you'll need a whole bunch of these, these vaccines, not just one. And then you'll need frequent ones and boosters and etc. But they want to give you all kinds of uh, perpetual boosters for every vaccine out there, by the way. That's on the, uh, that'll be on your, on your vaccine uh, passport. Don't you get it? I remember years ago giving a talk on that very thing. When they talked about this, we really need some kind of... And I said, one day, you know, you walk into grocery stores. This is like, I don't know... 1998 or 9 I see you walking at grocery stores And um, Alarms will go off Because you haven't had your latest vaccine That's electronically monitored Because that's going to be monitored as, as I said that back then And here you are now Digital passports could be on your own. Without that alarms will go off oh, oh. <laughs> Can people really believe Go along with this You know, Just a little bit more they tickle the cow's the cow's neck, you know, just a little bit more, and then they got them whack it on the backside with a big stick, and back to the neck again, and a little bit more. Go on. In uh. German Pfizer vaccine, remember the there's one of the guys who was the head of the research department was it the, was the last week a week before from Pfizer said he wouldn't take the vaccine. <laughs> Here's a company anyway. The vaccine could be ready before Oxford AstraZeneca injection and be given to Brits before Christmas. There's a good Christmas present for you. Since you're going to be locked down anyway and you can't gather in your homes, it's illegal, you know, by your master's, eh? your master's voice. Remember, they used to have his master's voice record company at one point. They made gramophones and, and um, record players and things, I think. And I think uh, in my home we had one that was called Mas- His Master's Voice. A little dog sitting in front of the big horn that came out of the old wind-up type um, gramophone records, record players. Uh, but it, it kept that logo when they put it on the later um, players, eh? Record players. But we're sitting there listening, so that big that big horn went to the dog's ear. Well, that's what the media is to us, and that's what the government is to us now. He's, they're paying the media to lie and brainwash you. I mean, I read the articles tonight, for goodness sake. <laughs> That's what basically it's telling you. Huh? 
his master's voice is telling you right to your ear hole to obey and do what you're told, eh? And don't have more than this. It, it really is. It's absurd declarations they're putting out there in, in orders. It really is. It's, it's almost like maybe four people can, can gather in your home on a Friday afternoon uh, as long as you only wear one slipper, you know, etc. This is how they're trying to see how much mental illness they can, they can cause. I'm not kidding you. Massive studies going on right now on, on how your compliance can work, how it can make you do all kinds of made mad things. Really? Oh, this is again. They show you the predictive programming. This this really lumped into all kinds of, of programs. This is how you get most of your brainwashing and, and how to comply and how to do things and how to copy and emulate and so on. Cultural differences and changes. It's predictive programming. I came up with the term many, many years ago. And um, this is, this is I, I've told you before, what, what, this Songbird movie trailer says about a pandemic, COVID-23, they call it, slammed by critics, cashing on human suffering, it says. The apocalyptic film follows a couple in 2024 that tries to meet during the pandemic. <gasps> Poor souls, eh? It's from Fox News. And... Uh, the mortality rate in the in this scenario is at over fifty percent, and the virus kills at an accelerated rate. And in fact, Americans are forced from their homes and into quarantine camps, according to Entertainment Weekly. <laughs> you see, see, they're getting trained to this rubbish. So it's been hammered, but it's it's probably getting funded. I bet it's funding from from our tax money going into that too. A dystopian. Crazy world, but a romantic movie about two people who want to be together, but they can't. Ah, there you go. It says it's pure bad taste, but that's what they do. And this is how you're brainwashed, folks. Always using entertainment. They said that at the, at the European meeting on, on vaccinations that they had, and I put the link up there too. They discussed that. How they would use all the media and and put all the different COVID ideas into and behavioural changes in into fictional dramas and so on, just insert them and like they normally do, like they normally do, <laughs> taking you know taking for granted. They got these agreements with them all. They pay for these inserts, and you, they did that with Coronation Street. That was the greatest predictive programming system. Everything that was going to happen and planned for Britain, they, they did it in fictional form in front of the public. And here's how Bear would, would adapt to this or not adapt. And here's how his wife would adapt and who would win on the, whatever the disagreement was going to be. And yeah, that's how it's done. And it also says here, as a coronavirus spreads, these late night shows are, are recording without an audience, it says. Hmm. And our personality, this is quite possibly one of the issiest attempts. I don't know what they mean. They keep doing these strange things. Now, that woman who, who talked about her sitting on her A, I don't know what And this guy's on about the issiest attempts to cash in on human suffering. Maybe he means silliest. Eh? He must be silliest. I'm a nice person. And it says that whoever makes this movie should be ashamed. This isn't needed nor wanted. It's not meant for that. It's meant to indoctrinate you and to terrify you, folks. Where fiction becomes your reality. When you hear COVID, oh my, you're thinking of the movie. <gasps> Half the folk are dying. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. 
I tell you. So that's one of them. And then you have, remember this one too, it was 24 TV, it says, American uh, action drama t- created by Joel Cernow and Robert Cochran for Fox. It starred Kiefer Sutherland as a counter-terrorist agent and Jack Bauer each season comprising 24 episodes covered 24 hours in Bauer's life using the real-time method of narration. Came out in 2001 for you see after, after 9-11, eh? Oh, sanitaries, oh my, these, look at all these government guys run selfless, never sleeping, hunting down terrorists everywhere. But it also got you used to the idea of no rights and citizens being monitored and so on, and yet it was normalized through fiction. Huh? In Canada, they came up with a border, taxpayers' money again, eh? CBC Television, that's a Communist Broadcasting Corporation, the government run. It uh, had a few uh, shows, and it says, the first season had a total budget of $20 million, with about $1.5 million per episode. Absolute farcical scenarios. Suddenly everything was terrorism, a war on terror. <gasps> because the terrorists are creating a, a terror on the world. After 9-11, and, and they even had one episode, the only one that I saw clips of, because I never watched TV, and it was in someone else's place, but this, I saw clips... And you had these these uh, these um, Canadian jet fighters attacking the bridge that crosses into the U.S. border there, Ontario, and and strafing the bridge. That was in it too. But they fight these awful terrorists that were just, you know, flooding over from the Middle East. Right? That's what that's what they were portraying. Oh, they're ter- they're everywhere, everywhere they are. Oh my God, yeah. And again, too, they desensitized the public to that torture was okay to get the truth out to save the rest of the people. Torture was fine. Remember one of the U.S. ones? They had, they, had the, they, they shot a, a guy in the leg because they had to get that truth out of him before some exploded in the States. So it was okay to go and torture them and shoot them and stuff like that. They are. The border. So they always bring these propaganda things out when they're at war with us all, you see. And they want us to believe certain things and so on. The West Wing, uh, American political drama uh, created by Aaron Sorkin, yeah. Mm. That year from 1999. See, they knew it was coming, as I've said. In 1998, in Canada, we had uh, Alan Rock's Omnibus Crime Bill, which was an anti-terrorist bill. Nothing had happened. Getting all ready for it, eh? And, of course, after 9-11, they went to real town, my God. Hey, they saved the world. Well, the reason that they've saved us all is because you're not hearing so much of the terrorism now. See, the, the dramas obviously worked. Yeah. <laughs> and here's, again, what they put out, right? Again, a little bit of information is, is how they do it. And don't forget the BBC, again, is getting money. But, and, that, and that's mainly funded by the government, of Britain, it's a propaganda tool. The BBC always was. That's why it was created initially, you know. So COVID antibodies fall rapidly after infection. It says, hey, there you go. So antibodies being a key part of immune defences and stop the virus from getting inside the body's cells. So again, that wonderful Imperial College of London. <laughs> found the number of people testing positive for antibodies has fallen 26% between June and September. Now, are they actually, are they actually really testing the blood for, for antibodies? There, there's the first question you should ask. You know. They say immunity, they say, they say, this is all scientific, immunity appears to be fading and there's a risk of catching the virus multiple times. 
The news comes as figures from the Office for National National Statistics. The same statistics, I guess, that Neil Ferguson worked for as well <laughs> and gave you all the bogus stuff before with a whole bunch of disasters that never happened before, even the mad cow disease. And it says... Um, it shows that the number of COVID-19 deaths in the UK rose by 60% in the week of 16th of October. Really? Really? No, no. In October in Britain, everybody with, with an upper respiratory infection who's elderly, we all get our chance. Most of us will go this way, by the way. I always have done in the past. It's these kind of things that, that, that finish you off when winter starts to come in. That's the bad time. The cold, damp weather, especially in Britain. Eh? And we know this at the top. They can't fail with, with the game they're playing here. And I'll just lump it in as, uh, as COVID, you see. This is, um, so the whole idea is that, you see, your antibodies aren't going to last that long, eh? It's to get you ready for a vaccination. Not that that's going to last any longer either, by the way. You know. But reality's got nothing to do with it. The fact is, as was mentioned already, your T-cells, um, there's different ones actually keep, like, keep like, almost pretty well blueprints of, of antibodies and and they'll, they'll fade off after a while unless you keep, you keep getting stimulated with, with being near the infection somewhere, you see. And they immediately start producing it, so you don't even get on with it. You don't even know you've, you've, you don't even know what most of your body is doing most of the time. Of course you don't. So it's normal. That's normal. Or, or else you'd be choked up, as I say, with thousands of different kinds of antibodies. Uh, that, that you're, because you're getting, there's thousands out there of viruses. And, and if the antibodies were perpetual, for instance, you, the, your blood would be clogged with them instead of, you know, red blood cells, etc. So they switch them off, didn't you? But they keep the blueprint of how to, how to immediately mass produce them, the antibodies, for that particular problem. Yeah, that's how it works. So that's all I'm saying about there. That particular article. Another one too is interesting. This article here, because it's in quite a few of the medical magazines, and it says use of adenovirus, adenovirus type five vectored vaccines, a cautionary tale. We're right to express concern about the use of recombinant adenovirus type five, AD five they call it. Vector for a COVID-19 phase one vaccine study and subsequent advanced trials. Over a decade ago, we'd completed the step and uh, the family phase 2B studies that evaluated ADS 85 uh, vectored HIV vaccine administered in three immunizations for efficacy against HIV-1 acquisition. Both international studies found an increased risk of HIV-1 acquisition amongst vaccinated men. The STEP trial found that men who were AD5 seropositive and uncircumcised on entry into the trial were at elevated risk of HIV-1 acquisition during the first 18 months to follow up. The hazard ratios were particularly high amongst men who were uncircumcised and AD5 seropositive, and who had reported unprotected insertive anal sex with a partner who was HIV1 seropositive or had unknown status at baseline, suggesting the potential for increased risk of penile acquisition of HIV1. So this goes on to actually say that um, a particular type of uh, 
COVID-19 phase 1 vaccine study might uh, make them more prone to acquiring HIV. Because I guess these things uh, go into the CCR5 positive CD4 T cells and uh, affects them, affects them apparently, apparently here. I'll have to really look through this whole article here. It's, I've got a few on this, but I haven't really got into it. It's pretty recent. <laughs> Another one, too. One of the doctors who came out uh, against what's happening, the total lockdown, was Professor Sunitra Gupta. I think she was part of the Great Barrington group, I'm quite sure. Not quite certain about that. But it's, it's, this is the Daily Mail. It's a contagion of hatred and hysteria. The Oxford epidemiologist, Professor Sunitra Gupra, Gupta, tells her she'd been intimidated and shamed. Again, this goes right back to the, Sun, the Sunstein group and and uh, the 77 Brigade and so on. How they'd shame you, you see, for backing shielding instead of lockdown. It'd make you feel bad, bad. Total war against the people, eh? Lockdown is, is a blunt and indiscriminate policy that forces the poorest and most vulnerable people to bear the brunt of the fight against coronavirus. As an infectious diseases epidemiologist, I believe there has to be a better way. That's why earlier this month, with two other international scientists, I co-authored a proposal for an alternative approach, one that shields those most at risk while enabling the rest of the population to resume their ordinary lives to some extent. I expected a debate and a disagreement about our ideas, published as the Great Barrington Declaration. As a scientist, I would welcome that. After all, science progresses, uh, progresses through its ideas and counter-ideas. But I was utterly unprepared, utterly unprepared for the onslaught of insults, personal criticism, intimidation, and threats that met our proposal. Now, this is, this is what the government's putting out against these people. This is what's happening. The government's at war with the people. I hope you understand that. The level of vitriol and hostility, not just from members of the public online, but from journalists and academics, has horrified me. I'm not a politician. The hardly burly of political life and being in the eye of the media do not appeal to me at all. I'm a first and foremost a scientist, one who is far more comfortable sitting in the office or laboratory than in front of a television camera. And she admits that she's actually left-wing. She said, although I would not, it's fair to say, normally align myself with the Daily Mail. I have strong views about the distribution of wealth, about the importance of the welfare state, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but COVID-19 is not a political phenomenon. It's a public health issue. No, it's not. It is a political phenomenon. It's getting pushed by politics, government funding for warfare departments of all kinds, including psychological war. That's definitely political. <laughs> And it says that the heart proposal is a recognition that mass lockdowns cause enormous damage. Well, we know all that stuff, right? What she does mention is that she's a, there's lower childhood vaccination rates occurring, you know, worsening cardiovascular disease outcomes, and that's true. Fewer cancer screenings, and there's, a, there's actually fewer cancer. Remember the article last week that folk are dying at home in agony, and they can't even get pain medication, never mind get in the hospital. And such pitfalls of national lockdowns must not be ignored, especially when it is the working class and younger members of society who carry the heaviest burden. Well, they, they have no future, as we know it. Anyway, that's, that's the, what you don't know yet. Eh? But she does go on to, to 
mention that the newspapers, even the Guardian, you know, the Guardian newspaper, which pretends to be left-wing, it used to be a, not a bad paper, but again, it changed ownership again, I think. I think I'm not certain on that. Just a few years ago, and completely changed. But she mentions here that the Guardian, which has repeatedly published opinion pieces making factually incorrect and scientifically flawed statements, as well as borderline defamatory, defamatory, defamatory comments about me while refusing to give our side of the debate an opportunity to present our view. I am surprised, given the importance of the issue of the state, not at least the principle of fair, balanced journalism, that the Guardian would not want to present all the evidence to its readers. Well, they're getting paid to go after anybody who is against the authorised opinion. That's just it, isn't it? Isn't that really what it's all about? I've already mentioned that they're getting paid. The government's paying them to, well, lie. <laughs> Never forget these times, folks. Never go. If some miracle happens and you go back to any semblance, including the newspapers of what it used to be, don't ever forget the now, what's happening now. When you read any of these papers, don't ever forget it. But it's not intended to ever go back to what you're used to. Never, ever. It's a whole new way. The Great Reset is the reset of how you live even if you will live according to who's going to run your world for you. Another one too, as COVID killed off, the flu experts pose intriguing question as influenza cases nosedive by 98% across the globe. It's almost disappeared, eh? And the surveillance data that they collect for the cases of flu, <laughs> actually folk have got the flu, right? Not the ones that, oh, let's turn them. Actually got the, so the surveillance is collected by the World Health Organization. It shows how flu cases plummeted globally. That's from the, the, the mail on Sunday, it says here. But I guess I just tacked them all into padding, you know, like they did before with the swine flu one, put them all down as flu. They did that. I did the articles at the time on the radio, when I was doing the radio shows. And actually said that. Put them all down, you know. Anybody coming in your doctors with a sniffle, whatever, put them down as this particular flu. Allergies didn't matter. <laughs> Another one to N95 respirators versus medical masks for preventing influenza among healthcare personnel randomized clinical trial. It's a good article actually, but you can go on and on with these t- tests on the on this, the, the, the particular masks and so on. It's from the PMC articles. I'll put this one up too for those who want to waste their life looking at what you already know. They're pretty well known. Actually, they're dangerous, you know that too, right? Never mind the fact it can help suffocate you if it gets steamed up with your breath, eh? How Google is spying on you. Firms voice assist records and keeps conversations when you're having what they're having around your phone when you least expect it. Well, you should know all that anyway, eh? And it says uh, it lets users talk to their gadgets to search the web and interact with apps. Well, use your, use your hands and fingers for God's sake, people. You I mean you're, 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 well, you can't help folk that just fall into it. Eh? And background chatter even could be enough to trigger this recording process. They do the same with your laptops and that. They already, they came out years ago and betting that the government, the NSA, actually go into your laptops, and turn them on occasionally to listen to what you're talking about in your homes. This is. You still believe you've had any privacy at all? 
you believe you're an Andy of Maybury, you know, everything's just wonderful and goody two-shoes. Wake up, folks. And get rid of these, get rid of this stuff that's, that's shackling you. Huh? And it mentions so on to visit Google's My Activity eh? and so on. Etc., etc. They've all got their different types of ways of spying on you. That's what the computers are all about. So your cell phones for two. They, they count on you all having cell phones as you can track and trace you. And that's also going to be your passport and everything else. Don't leave home without it, or you'll be arrested. And again, another one, another one, the same thing I mentioned earlier. The new CDC study finds the majority of those infected with COVID-19 always wore masks. Hmm? Always wore masks. And I'll put this one up to this article here as well. That's from the California Globe. U.S. troops ready to take on China over disputes in Kaku Islands. You know about that one too, right? It's hyped up a bit. I don't need, I don't need worried about it. This is American troops in Japan ready to land on disputes in Kaku Islands to fight off a Chinese invasion. The senior general has said in the most explicit U.S. commitment so far defending the, the territory. I'll put this one article up. And it's another article to even find it. I'll put it up as well. Where the, the, the Chinese general saying they're not going to take it anymore and blah, 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 and do a bit of swaggering, etc. As they all flex their muscles. Remember, China is supposed to take over from the U.S. as a policeman in the world. That's what it was set up to do. And it was set up to do, folks, by outsiders. <laughs> and as the U.S. goes down, well, they have to take over, you see. Mm-mm-mm. Also... Again, they're doing their shopping early at Christmas in Philadelphia. Sees second nights of riots and looting in response to police shooting. And it's not a response to it. You don't go looting because someone gets shot, you know. And Trump offers to send National Guard. Well, he always offers and offers and offers. And the police union says the cops had no choice in shooting, shooting the armed black man, it says. Apparently, I think he had a knife, I don't know. But what's interesting to me is what they loot, you see. They, they already know what they're going for and who they're going to rob and all that. Like they have with previous ones, you know. And looters can be seen lifting the store's metal gate for all others to enter and leave, some with arms full of shoe boxes. They did a shoe store too with these Foot Locker uh, popular, uh, I guess, sneakers or whatever. They have no idea. But uh, you used to, you know, this is nothing like communism, uh, looting at one time where they could rile folk up because they didn't have food to eat, so they get them riled up. Communists used to, to go after charities that tried to feed the poor, and they'd actually brutally assault them and break their arms and heads and everything else because they wanted to intensify the misery to get the folk to, to be the people's army that they could use, you see. You always get used by communism, this idea of communism, and as other big front groups, you always get used, folks. So helping folk was, was taboo, and you had to attack folk that were helping them. They might alleviate their, their hunger or pain or whatever. But, but, but into this, this day and age, I remember reading too that they would never have the old-fashioned communist revolutions where folk wanted heat, like the, the one I read in Sheffield, and food and so on, just basic stuff. Uh, now that they want, they want, <laughs> they want the, the brand name logo stuff, you know, um, 
and and the fancy shoes that are the latest in things and and their sneakers and and their big massive TV sets and stuff. That's what they're stealing. So it's a different kind, isn't it? Uh, I'm protesting. I'm going to I'm going to take this big massive television set out there and they're bringing a U-Haul up. In fact, they've already planned in advance to have U-Hauls come up to the stores, and uh, they can refurnish their homes, I guess. And, so they use the protests for their early Christmas sh- uh, shopping, I guess. Yeah. So I'll put this one up too for those who don't even know what's going on. And also, I put up uh, the CDC Centers for Disease Control Prevention, the U.S. Influenza Surveillance System. I'll actually show you here the purpose and methods. If you really dig deep into their declarations recently, you find that they admit that they've stopped even monitoring the flu. <laughs> Because it's it's all getting lumped in, obviously, with the COVID. Another thing to watch for with uh, vaccinations is it's called transverse myelitis. Because it's already broken out with some of the test subjects for the for the COVID shots. Because eh? you met the woman with the spine, she became kind of paralyzed and so on. And it's an inflammation of both sides of one section of the spinal cord. Neurological disorder often damages the insulating material covering nerve cell fibers, the myelin sheath, which interrupts the messages that the spinal cord nerves send throughout the body, you know. Because pain, muscle weakness, paralysis, sensory problems, uh, sometimes bladder and bowel dysfunction as well. Different causes and so on. The, uh, the, the, the favorite, the favorite uh, cause that they put down these days is, um, as things increase, they put it down as um, multiple sclerosis, you know. That's a, that's a good way of getting around anything else it caused it. <laughs> but they do admit that after vaccination, some folk get it, you know. can leave you with, with uh, major, uh, uh, some things with major disabilities and so on. Nasty thing indeed. Pain, abnormal sensations, weakness in arms or legs, bladder and bowel problems, etc. This is from the Mayo Clinic, by the way, you know. This article. And that was put down at the very, very end. After all other things, you know, can happen after vaccinations. Yeah, well, they, but it doesn't matter. I mean, they can do that with the vaccinations, and they've all got immunity from prosecution or getting sued. Isn't that wonderful? Dementia. I was thinking of, again, Sean Connery, ninety, yeah. dying there, and. His wife, I think, said that, you know, he died peacefully in his sleep. And, and she kind of gave the impression that it was what he really wanted, you know. He didn't want to go the way he was going with. Because, he, again, he had, he had um, dementia to an extent. Yeah, I don't know how bad it was. And I was thinking about that, too, at the time. But uh, he, he is a bit dementia patient, serious article. And again, they got bioethics coming into it and how they're going to treat society now. And they're doing it already, of course. It says they're being given archaic and dangerous antipsychotic drugs to keep them sedated during lockdown, putting them at risk of early death as grandmother 86 dies six weeks after starting medication. And it gives you the, uh, the woman and so on, what happened to her. Experts say the medication carries a risk of premature death. 
and use it to treat behavior and symptoms, including aggression and agitation. Until this year, the use of the drugs had fallen over fears whether the dangers outweighed any benefits. But the coronavirus pandemic has seen prescriptions for the treatments rise as medics looked to keep some patients sedate during the crisis. They used to always do that too. Once you had no folks homes, they would put them on heavy, heavy duty antipsychotics. In fact, this sat, they would sit there and they they'd strap them in those, those chairs, you know, with the little table bit that slots in. And they'd be drilling, yeah, with haloperidol uh, uh, used to be a, a popular one for drugging them. And eventually they get to inhalation pneumonia, you know, because that, that's what happens. Your reflex, swallow reflexes go, go a bit weird. And you inhale your, your, anything you drink or even your own saliva into the lungs. And then comes bacteria with it, actually. And you die. Of course, today they'll probably put down as COVID. But uh, these things have been happening. You know, we, 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 you better start looking at what's been happening to humanity, folks. You've you got to start doing Because eventually it's going to be your turn. And what kind of world are you leaving for others to live in and to get born into? A hell on earth. Hmm? So once again, I'll put up a, a little bit on Sean Connery and uh, an era gone by. You know, it's all fiction, of course. And it was, I think it was easy enough acting, really. Just say a line here, stand here, say this, blah, blah, blah. It's good cash for that. It was a great place, right time. And good luck to him, but uh, it's a year gone by. So anyway, what I'm saying to you is you got to start looking after yourselves and speak, you got to speak out. You gotta, a hell on earth coming down fast, drastically, drastic plan by folk who've decided that they are your betters. The Club of Rome, remember, and I've read their articles even from their own books too, like the first global revolution. And other articles, they would constantly, even the recent ones too. But they've always said that, that their purpose too was to replace society with a different system because democracy didn't work. They couldn't get big things done for progress when they had to cater to individual rights and such. That's technocracy, you see. I know they're dancing. They're dan- the CEO's dancing about the fact that and don't forget the CEOs and all these characters in this club of Rome all also belong to the WEF, World Economic Forum, and the United Nations. It's one big club, same folks. And the CEO of the club of Rome said that, oh, we can, she said, we can get all these, the sustainable agenda through under COVID, she says, and we won't let businesses open up unless they're going to be green and, and sustainable, etc. And essential. Well, here you go. You're betters planned a whole different future for you. And they didn't even have to consult you because they're using terror under a pandemic to do it for them. And they've got all these psycho warrior organizations, psyops really, there to attack all of you when you try to put facts out there. There's democracy in action. And this is just the start of it. Once again, remember folks, you better really start getting a little coteries of if you've got a family, make up your differences with them. If you've got friends, make up your differences because you're all going to need each other shortly to get through the hell that's coming down. 
And don't forget, this lockdown is the next part. Nothing to do with reality. That the reality is, it's total war on you for compliance into the new system. But they've said that this is going to be worse than the first one. Step by step, conditioning, acceptance, conditioning, acceptance, and you keep going into next, 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 you see. That's going to be a lot worse. So you better have little groups to help each other out, to get round little ways and so on, to make sure you can get what you need for even basic survival. I really mean that. Because they want to introduce rationing. Not just curfews. And so on, but rationing. That's the real plan, folks. A complete war scenario. As though, as I say, that atomic bomb had dropped across the major cities to bring you all to your knees until things are going to be hard to get. And, and you'll praise them. And you'll obey them. And you'll get your little apps on your phone and to, so that you can get your Rice Krispies or whatever, whatever you eat, you know. <laughs> your cornflakes of some kind or other, regardless of brand. Yeah. That's what they want. To train a whole new system into being. And they're going to force it one way, unless you fight back. And if, if you want to fight back, the first thing you do is you start opening your mouth. It's kind of like V for Vendetta. The word didn't start off by by, by just um, the crowds going towards Parliament and saying no, we've had enough. It started with uh, a, 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 one person putting information out and the rest decided to follow. And then you spread it by mouth to each other. That's how you do it. That's how, until, they, they, once enough folk do it, they can't stand. They have to give up eventually. That's in the manuals, by the way, for Antifa revolution. <laughs> to take over, they must undermine all the agencies of society. And the idea is also to get the, pop, the populace to be passive and do nothing. And try to win over some in the police and some in the military, etc. The, because the whole battle is over, who's going to control the populace, you see? But they actually admit to different things. If you can't get control of the populace, or if the populace won't comply one day, it's like the Stasi in, in East Germany. They just have to just give up. If, if everybody's going to say, screw you, what are you going to do? You can't arrest them all. There's nowhere to put them all. You can't use the excuse that you're serving the people when the people don't want you. You see? So remember all of this, and uh, I always say small things happen, you know, uh, they end up into big giant things, and that's how you start. And spread the word, because you've got to spread the word. Be careful too, don't lose your temper with folks, and, and don't expect everybody to agree with you either. Because you, 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 if you do that, you, you have an idea of democracy. <laughs> But folk who don't, uh, who will listen to no other opinion except authority are gone. They're goners. And they will go along and, and be the, uh, the, the bunch who, who um, the little quizlings that turn everybody else in, you see. You should arrest so-and-so, they've got, they've got wrong think, yeah. They're putting out fake stories, yeah. They said that the flu cases are down, oh yeah, where did they get that from? The CDC. Oh, really? Hmm. 
<laughs> see, it's not meant in a propaganda war. It's not meant that you win when they run it all. You see, that's what I'm saying. Facts don't matter, and and eventually there's no point in arguing the facts when the, the declared total war. The World Economic Forum has said it. This is the global reset. This is the whole agenda for the 21st century. Agenda 21. Your agenda uh, 2015, that's one part of it. Every 15 years or so, and in, in 2030 is the next one. But it's all segments of what must be accomplished step by step right up through this entire century. The end of the family unit, all the old communist ideas. The end of private housing ownership. The end of uh, private vehicles and uh, vegetarian society, by the way, for the for the general you, the general public, no meat for you, no high protein for you, no austerity for you. I gave talks on this, the January 21 years and years ago from their own website and with the publications. And I said, too, just they'll use all the communistic techniques to have you comply in a collectivist society. And when they, when they tell you to turn out for your community, I'm sure the guys like Cass Sunstein saying you're a bad citizen if you don't turn up for, the, for, for today for the special rights, for the whatever it happens to be that day. You'll have to turn up. That's what did in the Soviet system. George Orwell had it. You, know, you had to join the crowd to go and watch the prisoners get prisoners getting caught and say, hang them, hang them. When you're told to, you have to attend the meetings to show you're a good citizen, you see. As you screw with your brains. So, it's up to you. They've declared war on you. The media is all getting paid to go along with it and call everybody else fake as they employ professional liars and psychologists and mind tinkerers to go after people, to defame them, etc. When they've got evidence of facts which are contrary to the war that's, that's on them, which is waged on them by their own governments. Quite an amazing time, though, you got to admit it, to watch this agenda that's been forced in under guise. Eh? Amazing times to live in, or to exist in. Every, every generation gets this war that they're forced into and forced to go off and fight or get killed for, and, or else uh, have bank, banks collapsed, you know, and reduced to poverty. Or something like this, you see a COVID idea for the Great Reset. The reset of everything. Right down to the definitions of who will rule you. Should bioethicists decide when you should die? <laughs> or if they even need you for society's sake, in the betterment of society, or the detriment, depending on your personality, etc. This is astonishing stuff. Getting churned out by the foundations and Harvard and Princeton and all these big universities on board with them all. Getting paid by the same donors, you know, the gatekeepers, <laughs> etc. Really amazing, isn't it? And folk think they're in a free democratic system, even if it's a republic in the States, which it's supposed to be. But again, you know, you should read the, the Hard Road to World Order by the guy in the, in the Council on Foreign Relations from years ago. I keep putting up that one. When he talked about the way to get round the Constitution and just ignore it and 
burned hit it head on and argue legal points with them just ignore it go around and over it and make new laws and regulations that are similar almost the same until the folk forget you've got the original ones written and they'll start to adopt the new ones that are changed bit by bit until literally they've literally they toss it to the side like, like again I've seen once again Bush Jr. said well it's just a piece of paper <laughs> yeah, here you go the great reset uh, it's up to you people. But the first thing is always, don't wait for government to help you. You better start organizing to help yourselves to get through this. Because they, they really mean bringing into complete austerity, which is poverty. And folk, when they're hungry, will tend to do whatever they're told eventually. And then on the segments of society that will comply first and foremost, they aim their ads at them. They admit that too. <laughs> The ones who want safety more than others. They know what genders will do that too. They've got it all worked out, folks. By the war, the mind war specialists, you see. The psychopaths that your government is paying to terrify you. Well, that's it for me tonight. Remember, cuttingfreematrix.com, send a few bucks my way. And uh, stay well as best you can. Don't be terrified, folks. You, you, you're not out of action just yet. But you've got to help each other and get, and get ready with basic stuff if you can. And if you've got things that other people need that you know they need and for need them, help them out now. Start helping them out now. It's a good idea. Do what you can. Because all, you're all going to need each other shortly. You will. And again, you have to set up your own organizations to watch out for government spies. They've got, they think these tracers are just tracers. No, they're spies, folks. These are not. If, if this disease was, was supposed to end tomorrow, they're not going to abandon these things. These operations are here to stay. And these tracers are going to be out into sight all over the place. Just like this is. Don't get confused by the names they give them. It's the same scenario as you had through communism and Stasi. The Stasi had thousands, millions of them actually, an uh, employment of. Uh, the Stasi, only civilians, they could have other jobs too, but they would get paid extra to spy on other people. It's all here. It's all here. So question people, be careful. Don't take everybody at face value. But for basic decency, common decency, help each other out. And, and they'll help you out when times get really, really tough, hopefully. Some won't, you know. People are people, but that's the only way you get through bad times. For myself, from my very cold, I, I've been in, my temperatures in the last few nights has been, I think on Friday night, it, well actually it was on Saturday morning, uh, I was um, 10 degrees Fahrenheit, it was, it was my temperature, it's already here the winter. So it's not going to be a pleasant winter at all, but my chipmunks left early. They were the first, it's almost like an agreement. They all went in the holes at the same time, and that was them gone. For that same in for a winter. That was about, that was about maybe almost two weeks ago. It was just so sudden. Like they'd, they'd all agreed, that's it then. They knew what, they knew what was coming. <laughs> the first frost and so on. Not the first, but maybe the, the hardest ones. But as I say, yeah, it was, it was 10 degrees the other night there. And it'll probably just rain on and off with the cold, freezing rain until the snow comes, and that's how often happens here. 
So, as I say, stay warm. Those who've got warm, think about, think about it too. There's folk in places like Britain who paid in their pensions and who die because they can't afford heating. As they get lambasted for being nasty people, you know, and they go to just give up their culture altogether right, by the brainwashing experts. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Help each other out because you're going to need it. Eventually, it'll be your turn to get help too. This is a long haul here, folks. For myself, Alan Waterman, to your candidates, good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.